Hey, welcome to Genre Exposure, a film podcast. Join us as we explore the wide world of cinema, broaden our horizons one movie at a time. I'm one of your hosts, Dustin, and as usual, I am here with Jason. Hey, happy Friday the 13th, fellow horror freaks. Oh, that was such a good, like, I'm an actual podcaster personality <laughs> intro, man. I, I love it. That thank was, that you. was so good. Thank you. You just shattered the illusion, but yeah. thank you. <laughs> cool. That's, that's what we do here. Um, yeah, it's Friday the 13th, and it's in October, and that's awesome. It's perfect. Perfect. Synchronicity, some might say. And though we usually try to do four full episodes, it seemed like this was just too good an opportunity to not just talk about Friday the 13th as a whole, as a franchise, kind of how we've done in the past with some other stuff, like when we talked about the films of George Romero tagged onto the amusement park. The greatest lost horror um, classic ever. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, you know, we had talked about doing this, like, several times in the past, mm-hmm. and we always be like, oh, well, there's a Friday the 13th coming up. This is the perfect time. And then, like, schedules would get weird or right. other stuff would come up. But th- this is the We'd, time. We would run into some bad luck. Yeah, as you do on a Friday the 13th. <laughs> but, but this is the time. And, you know, we normally, like, it's not a rule we hold ourselves to, but we kind of try to, you know, stray a little bit from the most mainstream of, film things yes and it doesn't get much more mainstream than friday the 13th yeah but we do love friday the 13th and we do love mainstream horror and fully so it's it's fun to talk about it every now and then i I think our angle is just that we were like you know there's so many other podcasts you can go through that will go to like film by film every film in the series and do a much better job than we can (laughs) i'm I'm sure yeah um so we'd rather shine the spotlight on you know other stuff that maybe it's not getting so much of a right highlight right but everything has its due time, and now is that time. So join us on this Friday the 13th in October as we celebrate the Friday the 13th franchise. Uh, we're going to do nothing too fancy here, nothing reinventing the will. We're just going to have a casual conversation about the franchise as a whole. Yes. And kind of just go over some of our favorites, least favorites, thoughts, feelings. Yeah, just a fun, casual All chat. that good stuff, yeah. And uh, Jason, you provided us with a bunch of cool ephemera to set the mood. Oh, yes. We've got um, a prop machete here. Um, We've got a corpse that's reduced to a skeleton. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've got, um, what are these? Who made these figures? You and Michael are more the figure guys. I think these are both NECA figures. NECA figures. Mm -hmm. We've got um, Jason from part four. Yes. You corrected me on. I thought it was three. Mm -hmm. And then we've got Cyber Jason from Jason X. Uber Jason. Uber Jason, yeah. It's looking amazing, and the centerpiece to it all. I'll probably take a take a photo of this to maybe throw it up on that day. I have uh, one. I okay, cool. one. awesome, my man. <laughs> um, is the incredible, probably one of the best ever made of a box set, the Scream Factory Deluxe Edition Friday the Thirteenth series yes, collection. I, I rarely spend that much mm-hmm. on something like that. I, I don't. I'm not the collector you are when it right. comes to physical media. Um, but you got I, I had to shuck the money out for that. It is so <laughs> worth it. Now, I think it's still available, right? It is, yeah. I, I know at first it was kind of going to be a limited thing, and I think, I don't know, maybe they got extended or they got to make more or well, it, no it should, telling. It but, should be in print. You know? um, and it's really the definitive way because I, I don't know. Did you have like the prior Blu-ray box set? I did not. That, I only had the regular. Um, see, I did. And it was like a weird metal tin, and it came with like a media book inside. Fucking and I hate the big metal weird tins. It was just awkward and weird. And this one's so great because you have a case for every movie. You've got the art yep. of the poster and the cover. Yep. And they all fit into a nice box. It mm-hmm. fits nicely on your DVD shelf. Um, with, with some gorgeous wraparound art that they've mm-hmm. made, which um, I don't know if you pre-ordered it. I pre-ordered it and actually got the, the art print of the, the wraparound I art. I did pre-order, but I didn't get the art print for some reason. Unfortunately, still have it rolled up. I've been meaning to find a frame. Oh, yeah. You and can actually put that put up, it up, man. But, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I gotta set the mood. <laughs> it's awesome. It's awesome. I love it. Right. Let alone all your other Halloween decorations you've now yeah. filled the studio with. Yeah, we're getting there. Um, so where do you want to start? There's a lot of we've, we've, we came up with some topics that we want to touch on for well, sure. Let's start at the beginning. Um, we may have mentioned this before when we talked about like our love of movies and horror in general mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But like, what was your exposure to Friday the Thirteenth? What was your journey like? Mm, okay. <laughs> You know, the, the weird thing is, like, I don't remember, like, my first viewing okay. of one. I know it had to be, I caught it on TV. It was, like, a TV rerun. Oh, okay. So censored down mm-hmm. and stuff. Sure. Um, I want to say it had to be one of the ones where he was already Jason with the hockey mask. Right. I don't know if it was maybe three or four. Um, I'm sure it wasn't any of the, it had to be three or four. It couldn't have been any of the later ones. I know that, because I remember renting those for the first time and seeing them. But, mm. um, you know, it was just one of those things. Um, I think for a lot of kids that... Like, like me, I was born in the 80s, like 86, right? So I wasn't, like, old enough to start even kind of trying to watch these until it was, like, almost more into the 90s, right? So Yeah, when they were done. Uh, they were done, basically. So a lot of it was just you'd catch them on reruns or you could rent them at the video store, but they were already, like, cultural icons. Mm-hmm. So it's like you knew them before you ever saw it. You had heard people talk about, oh, Jason Voorhees, the hockey mask, yeah, all that. Part the cultural uh, oh, Freddy Krueger, he creeps into your dreams. Mm-hmm. Da, da, da. Like, you knew these characters, whether you had seen the movies or not. Um, so it's like I already had a conception and I knew like, oh, it's like a summer camp. It's all these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was in that cycle of like, you know, got to see all the big slashers and stuff. And it was like something about it, like it really struck me. And I think from the first time I saw one of these two today, still that it's still ultimately like Friday the 13th is my slasher franchise. That's just the one I love to nice. death. I champion. Mm-hmm. I'll go die on the hill for it. Sure. Uh, yeah, man. I just love it start to finish. Awesome. I have a lot of a lot of feelings tied up into it, a lot mm-hmm. of emotion. That's like my comfort if I just need to watch something that's like a classic that oh, yeah. you can makes me feel good. Them. Just mm-hmm. throw one on. And it's so varied in like the directions they've gone, trying to like shift it for sequels that like kind of whatever mood I feel like I'm in, there's one that's like, oh, I want to watch that one this yeah, time. Yeah, that fits it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, Very nice. What was your origin like? Um, well, of course, as has been made a big deal of before in previous episodes, I am the elder mm-hmm. of the podcasters here. Um, so, during the whole early video boom, I remember seeing these sitting on the shelves, mm. you know, the, the old VHS cases. And, of course, I was entranced, but also kind of scared. Because right. I, was, I was actually kind of a scaredy cat. I was scared of everything when I was a kid. Um, so if I ever Me saw, if, yeah, if I ever saw the commercial <laughs> on TV, oh no, that's getting changed immediately. That's not happening. Um, and to the sound like the the ch-ch. oh yeah yeah creepy as fuck. Um, it's so iconic and so great for like a commercial or a teaser. Yeah yeah, but all the kids I was friends with, well, all the kids in my school. <laughs> Wait, you I was a friends? loser. Didn't have any friends, but anyway, everyone had seen the movies, right? Mm-hmm. I hadn't seen them. I really wasn't allowed to see them. It's right, like, right. I could watch any manner of like guys getting blown away with guns or something but I guess slasher <laughs> films were just too far maybe it was nudity I don't know probably welcome to puritanical America even though the films themselves kind of reinforce puritanical yeah, values yeah, exactly. but yeah um, so I was I probably saw my first one when I was 12 mm. uh, 12 or 13 and that's thanks largely to my older sister because we rented the we, were, we watched like two a day we went into oh, the wow. video store and just knocked out, you know, the first six, I guess. Mm-hmm. Maybe seven, because this probably would have been about the time where either part seven or part eight was out in theaters. 
And I just loved it. It was great. It was a great time just sitting around watching the movies with my sister. It was good bonding time. So you, did you start from the first one? Then? Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. Start from the first one. Yep, absolutely. Because that's one thing I do remember is that where I had already seen, you know, Hockey Mask, Jason, when I got back to the first one, I was like, whoa, this is so, yeah. you know, it's Pamela. It's, he's yeah, not there even, is no Jason. Yeah. yeah, and then he's got the sack head in the second one, of mm-hmm. course. And you see that evolution. Mm-hmm. And that's still a look I really like. I like Sackhead. I love Sackhead, Jason. Yeah. It's classic. Nice. Everyone oh, has awesome. their own Friday the 13th story, I guess. And everyone has their own favorites. So I want to talk about some favorites with you. Okay. I think we should start with the obvious one. Which version of Jason is your favorite Jason? Okay. All right. If we're talking like pure look, not 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 representative of the movie he's in mm-hmm. or the actor playing him. Okay, just visual. Just visually. Let's do that first. We'll say best, best um, Jason design. So this is really hard for me because mm-hmm. there are several I really love. But mm, I got to go with... Kane Hodder's in Part 7. Okay. I love the zombie look. Mm-hmm. I love that wet, gross look. I love that design. You know, he's been beaten. He's been worn yeah. down. He's taking damage. He's showing it. <laughs> uh, and even when they take the mask off, that's probably my favorite makeup. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite makeups. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good look. Oh, uh, And you know, it's cool. We actually talked about this look of Jason over the weekend at our tabletop game we were playing. We were playing uh, Monster of the Week. That's right. And I referenced that look yeah, yeah. during the game, but because um, it's part of the scariest. Yeah, one. six like birthed the zombie Jason, mm-hmm. but he was you know we didn't really get a good look. Yeah, at him. not a good look at him. And then you get to seven, and it's like he's waterlogged. He's been through so much. Yeah, and he's basically now, you start, a mummy zombie. Yeah, you start point. to see the buildup of like the wear and tear on him, and then like eight. They really take it to an interesting place where he becomes like almost like mucky and swampy. They screwed the pooch, which I man. fucking love, and we'll get into that in a minute, but. If they followed through, the makeup sucks though. If they followed through on it and we saw more of that, maybe I would be with you. But what little we get, I think it was just a shit job. Shit job. Mm. Anyway, <clears throat> I'm sure we'll probably talk more about that in a little while. Oh yeah, I'm sure. But yeah, so I think like in that spectrum, uh-huh. like, and I have a lot of hangups with Seven, which we'll probably also talk about in a minute, but yeah. the look in that one is ooh, so good. So is that your favorite as well? No. It is not. But I want to say, too, uh, a subtle thing. I like that he has, like, the remnants of the chains yeah. on his body, too, yeah. from where um, Tommy, like, ties him down and throws the rock in six. Yeah, and, like, every wound is accounted for. Yeah, like, yeah. If you go back and look at it, he's got the axe wound. He's got the, he the, uh, the machete to the eye. That's gone. You know, it's all there. It's just awesome because it really sets, like, how relentless he is at that point. Mm-hmm. That he's been through all this shit, and he's still coming at you full yeah. force. Yeah. yeah. So if we're talking just designs, mm-hmm. just, just look, just visual, how he looks. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're about to be so pissed at me. Mm-hmm. Um, it was underutilized poorly, but um, I got to go with Jason Goes to Hell. Okay. He is just fucking monstrous, I, the I, look I'm, in that I'm one. I'm not going to argue that look. Mm-hmm. I, I, I've got Ken Hodder's signature, and that's actually a still from that movie mm, that nice. I used. Because I like how his growth is like yeah. growing over the mask, like he's had it yeah. on so long. And it's like, if you extrapolate from like the 6, 7, 8 cycle, it's like at this point he's become so waterlogged, the body is like starting to bloat. Yeah. But it's like you're saying, like the mask is still tight to his head, so mm-hmm. it's just like growing up and out and around it. Right, it's and part like, of his body yeah, at this point. <laughs> like grafted to him. Yes. Um, and it just looks so fucking cool. Yeah, I agree. I don't hate that makeup at all. I think it's I think it's really good. It's one of the few good things about that movie. <clears throat> all right, cool. So that's just talking visual design. Yeah. So if we're saying, let's say, uh, your favorite like actor that's portrayed Jason, like just portrayal and like the you know the mannerisms and that's demeanor. not Kane Hodder. 
Can, uh, can we put that caveat okay, in? Because sure, yeah, yeah. obviously Kane Hodder is the best. Mm-hmm. Kane Hodder is Jason. Though I think the thing for you me You may with, disagree. I, I, I would doubt your sanity if you did. He's actually not my favorite, wow. which I'll get into. But okay. I think the sad thing with him is that pound for pound, if you just had to like say the general, like everyone agrees this is the best, I think it would be him for sure. Mm-hmm. But like he's in some of the worst sequels, man. Like, it's not his fault, though. Yeah, his performance in those sequels are amazing, especially part seven. He, he's often what makes them memorable, I think. Yeah. Yeah. He saves the movies. Um, okay. If it's not Kane Hodder, then for me, it's Ted White in the final chapter. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's a great one. Yeah. I, I love, I think that's when he really becomes kind of vicious. Mm hmm. And like he doesn't take any shit. No, no. You know, and I love Kane Hodder's like kind of slow approach to Jason. Like he's not going to rush after you because he's going to get you eventually. Right. But I like how Ted White will run after people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he, he's still human at this point. He's, mm-hmm. He can still be hurt. Um, and he's just a fucking maniac. <laughs> I think if um, I'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit, but the remake. I know it tried to draw from a lot of things, but I think the portrayal in four that's like the most they drew on to get that remake version of Jason maybe just like the savageness yeah although I really think I, I hate that portrayal of Jason though <laughs> I do too and we'll, we'll get into that for I, sure, I but... think they were more inspired by like wrong turn mm. than they were by their own fucking franchise hmm interesting anyway I'll be that's my hot take grill you on that in a minute okay anything else to say about uh, part four Jason uh, other than that he's just like awesome and the best mm. no <laughs> what more need be said <laughs> he's got a got a nice crisp outfit too now that I'm looking at the action figure here uh huh he yeah. does simple but effective <laughs> and I love the stories that Ted White tells I mean cause that guy was around forever I think he was like in his fucking 50s or 60s when he did that movie <laughs> um, but I mean he like doubled John Wayne and shit back in the 50s you know and I love his story about how he just couldn't stand Corey Feldman he thought he was a little <laughs> shit so he always took extra care to actually scare him when he got the chance which I mean you can see like they really have a good dynamic I think in the film yeah. of like just the fright level and stuff between them yeah yeah. and I love how here because I don't like how Ted White, his, his Jason would just like grab a knife and just throw it at someone. Yeah. You know, you didn't see that too often from some of the Jasons, you know. He's like, I'm just, you know, I'm going to try to kill you as quickly <laughs> and efficiently as possible. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Um, so I'm going to go with my true true favorite overall, even exceeding Kane Hodder. Sorry, my dude. You're you're awesome person. But um, yes. I have to go with C.J. Graham as part six, Jason Lives. Okay. Yeah. You know, it's the birth. Oh, pissed me off. It's the birth of zombie Jason. I think that's when, like, it transcended to, like, this is a slasher franchise in the 80s to this is, like, an eternal horror icon that will just exist forever mm-hmm. into perpetuity. And clearly years and years of legal battle and it being mired and not really having new properties doesn't slow it down any. Yeah. It's still just going to live forever. It's just such a good, iconic look. And I think the big thing is, like, uh, the physicality, like, the build and the height. Like, uh, Graham's, like, really tall. Mm-hmm. And he's got these broad shoulders... And it's not the, like, you know, Kane Hodder's bulky too, but it's a different kind of, like, bulk compared to this. This is, like, I almost can't put it to words, but it's, like, he's just so tall and imposing. Graham is a bit more, I don't know, almost lithe. Yeah. More than Kane Hodder Uh, is. Because Kane's kind of got, like, the wrestler vibe almost to him. Yeah, he's a big, thick dude. Yeah, very jacked. Um, And then, like, I think he's such a good actor, too, just with the way he moves and the way he, like, 
Mm-hmm. doesn't emote because right he's in the match you can't really get emotion but just like even something like a little head tilt or like the way he'll turn a head or face a certain direction or or sometimes even like when it's a deadpan stare like I think of like when they um they flip the the RV mm-hmm. and then he just climbs out on top of it for no reason it's just standing there just be fucking cool yeah That's a great it just shot. looks yeah. so fucking awesome yeah. um, and I just love CJ Graham in general and other stuff like uh, he's the hell cop in Highway to Hell okay which is a f- super fun role and that's a, such a cheesy but cool movie. Mm-hmm. So that's where I got to give my love to. That's a good choice. That's a great choice. All right. Where do you want to go next? How about we talk about our... <laughs> let's talk about our most favorite character. Okay. Let's talk about some favorite characters. In, all, like in all of the series. Like, sure. If you had to pick one favorite character, cool. who is it? It's hard. I'll let you go first. Okay. Uh, I mean, there are a lot of great choices. Mm-hmm. You've got your Tommy Jarvis's. Mm-hmm. Three uh, three flavors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Tom Matthews comes to mind, because I just love Tom God, Matthews yeah. anyway. Is he your favorite Tommy Jarvis? He is. Mine too. Yeah. yeah. I think it's hard not to go with him. Right. So I want to say that I think, um, what's his name? John Shepard, the one that's Tommy in part five. Yes. I think he's kind of underrated. I don't think he's as bad as people say. Like People say, like, oh, he's the worst one, but... I think he gives a good performance. He in has that an film. intensity, yeah, and he really captures like at this point, Tommy is a troubled teen with a lot right going on in his head. Yeah, I could, I could buy him as the red herring because mm-hmm. he is aggressive and he is physical. Yeah. You know, he's intimidating. Yeah, he's great. Um, even like uh, like well, the whole Jarvis family, really. Yeah, you know, they're. they're the mom and the sister. They're one of the yeah. few examples of a family in the, in the franchise. And they're very loving and very nice. Very and functional. Yeah, very functional. <laughs> and, uh, of course, there is Demon from Part 5. Oh, yeah. Also part of a family unit, mm-hmm. unit oddly enough. Because he comes across as being very endearing and very cool in the short screen time he has. Some of his lines might be some of my most quoted film oh, quotes. <laughs> damn <laughs> enchiladas. Those damn enchiladas. <laughs> He's great. Uh, so I mean, there's there's plenty of choices, but if and this might surprise you, okay. If you put a gun to my head and made me choose the most likable character, um, it's going to be uh, Jennifer Cook as Megan in Part Six, mm. the heroine. Yeah, she is great because she's just so like she takes no shit, takes charge of everything. Yeah, it's like she is attractive. But not like that sort of Hollywood fake attractive. Mm-hmm. She's not like supermodel. It's yeah, very she's, like natural. She's very much a girl next door type. Mm-hmm. And yeah, she doesn't take any shit. She gives her dad guff. You know, <laughs> she she holds her own. She is she takes charge. She's great. She even kind of bullies Tommy around yeah. a little bit, which is I think is awesome. It is awesome because he quickly realizes like, no, we're equals on this because mm-hmm. he's right. kind of like you know step aside. I'll I'll take care of things, and she's like, no, let's go yeah, together. Yeah. yeah. So uh, she's probably my favorite of the whole franchise. That's awesome. Yeah. How about yours? Uh, so some honorable mentions. You've already hit them. So uh, part six, again, is like just so good to me. So Tommy Jarvis in that mm-hmm. one and, and Megan. Um, I got to show a little love to Crispin Glover as Jimmy Mortimer. Of course. In part four. Just like he's such a throwaway character in the film in a lot of ways, but he, he makes himself impressionable on you just with that performance. Oh, yeah. And I think it is true of me and true of you and true of a lot of people that watch this like we identify with like the loser character that's mm-hmm. in the group of teens because we're, we're not the cool kids. We never were, never would be. <laughs> nope. Um, and I just love that the whole subplot of him is that like he has the cooler best friend who's like a total asshole. Yeah. And who, who doesn't get the girl? Who in the yeah. end, yeah, he doesn't get the girl. It's it's Jimmy that gets the girl, mm-hmm. 
and then the asshole ends up watching stag films alone and then fucking dies anyways yeah well yeah they both die but you know <laughs> yeah at least jimmy gets you know a nice victory in before he gets um and then you got to talk about the dance moves man like inspired inspired totally inspired <laughs> yes um but if i i'm going top number one cut them all out got mm-hmm. to pick a favorite it's gonna echo an earlier episode this year when i revealed my favorite final girl of all time it's Amy Steele yes. as Jenny Field. Yes. And I, I won't belabor you with everything, but I'll just quickly run over it again. Um, you know, if you go back to the final girls, we had Chris on the 4K outlaw. We talked about that a little bit, but um, just such a perfect and like well-realized character in a, in a franchise, in a genre, mm-hmm. in a subgenre that's not really known for having good characterization and people being kind of, you know, maybe a little, little more stereotypey. I mean, yeah. She's gorgeous, she's smart, she's funny. She's so charming every second she's on the screen. But again, she's also that kind of... She's very realistic mm-hmm. in her beauty. And that's know? the thing. is like You have the tropes of the final girl, right? And there's well, part of it is like, oh, there's that virginal background. And that's what kind of qualifies them to be the one to, to rise up and then overcome the evil and the monster. But it's like... I never feel like that's the reason she no. succeeds. They lay the foundations of like her interest in psychology. She's yeah. going to school for that. She uses her brains. It comes up several times, and when shit hits the fan, she uses her brains and makes like the ultimate ploy to overcome Jason and get the leg up on him. Oh yeah, she's great. Uh, I think there's a lot of her in the character of Megan. Just the fact that I think both. that's a throwback yeah. to her. Absolutely. And not only is she one of the best characters in Friday, she's one of the best final girls of any horror yeah. franchise ever. And she wins, and she gets away, and they didn't make a sequel to fuck her over. Yeah, she doesn't kill, get killed <laughs> off like uh, Alice. I feel bad for Alice, because she is also a great final girl. Mm-hmm. And then, man, the second film, I love the second film, but they do do Alice a little dirty. They do her bad. Although, <laughs> honestly, that... And it still affects me to... Uh, it does set the stakes, though, doesn't it? It, it does. Yeah. And it still affects me to this day, but when I was younger, that scene really scared me mm-hmm. when he came up behind her with the ice pick and everything. Because I wasn't expecting it, because I was... It's wild, too, that, like, he goes out of his way to, like, leave Camp Crystal Lake. Yeah. I mean, I know she's living in the area, potentially. How far but, does he go? Yeah. Is um, he taking a cab? I mean, That what? it was that personal that he's like, I'm going to track this bitch down, <laughs> and she is fucking done, yeah. no matter what I have to do. Yeah. And I didn't expect her being young and naive as I was to, to die like that. Yeah. You know, just in the open, before the credits. So, that always stuck with me, that image. Okay. So, I mean, with all good, there is bad, too. So, let's mm. talk about some of our least favorite characters in the franchise. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> uh, you go first on this one. Okay. Um... So um, I got an honorable mention, and then I've got my my pick. Same here. Uh, so my honorable mention is I'm just gonna, I'm, I've got some praise for this film later, <laughs> but I'm just gonna say honorable mention the totality of the cast of the Friday the Thirteenth remake. Um, for everything we say about like the stereotypes of a slasher film with the cardboard characters, weak backstories, they're just a trope that's being played out. Um, God, they're all so fucking obnoxious. A bunch of uh, CW Hollywood model types, man. Yeah. Just vapid. Yeah, completely vapid. Plastically pretty. Could not care less every second they're on the screen. Nope, nope. Because that's one thing I always (laughs) loved about the the real franchise Mm -hmm. is the fact that everyone was... I mean, yeah, and of course, you know, time changes things, but I mean... Everyone seemed very real for the most part, mm-hmm. down to earth. You know? And you know, it's almost always a friend group or yeah. like they're they're bonded by something like they're all going to be camp counselors or yeah. something. And you feel like that connection. And, and this one, it's like everybody hates each other. Everybody's yeah. making snippy remarks at one another. They all look like Abercrombie and Finch models, mm-hmm. you know. It's, it's, 
Fuck all of that. I agree with that completely. Um, but if I have to go with a number one single person out, and I, I feel bad to do this, but let me <laughs> explain it out both ways. Of course. I, I gotta go with Larry Zerner as Shelly in no, part three. Oh, no! And now let me preface this with saying that Larry Zerner is a wonderful human being and awesome person. Yeah. And I love how much love he gives back to the franchise and its fans. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now he's a lawyer. And I love that he kind of took it upon himself to, like, step forward with all the weird legal issues yeah. on the franchise. Yeah. And he has, like, taken the time to, like, parse that out to us laymen that know, you know, nothing about the legal system other than what we've picked up mm-hmm. here or there. And actually kind of explain what's going on, why there's a problem, why there's a conflict. Yeah, yeah. He's ha- great. And, like, give updates and, like, chart that out. So he is an awesome person, and I love him. I don't even think he's a bad actor per se, but man, fuck the character Shelly. Cause <laughs> I get it. He's supposed to be the obnoxious nerd. Uh-huh. And then he gets his time to be awesome and like save the day and be a hero. But the problem is the way he's depicted in the film is like, you never are connected to him. Cause he's such a shit the whole time to everyone constantly. And then when you do get that moment where it's like, he steps up and, you know, saves the day, protects the girl. He immediately gets creepy with the girl and thinks he's like, owed. Mm-hmm. like sex or a kiss or something out of her right. for doing that. And that's not him, the character, the actor. That's the plot that they wrote, that they directed him to do. And, and that is what years of these movies have taught us to expect. Mm-hmm. You, you're heroic and you get the girl. Yeah. It makes that whole, I like, think this is early commentary <laughs> on that. Uh... I don't know that it was commentary. <laughs> I'm saying it is. <laughs> if you want to, but I mean, he gets so fucking creepy and then, I don't even remember. He says, I forget what he says when she turns him down, but it's like a really shitty thing to say at that point. Right. He, yeah. he was one of the original incels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that, that's the thing. He is like sex. Um, at the start, you think it's going to be like, this is this lovable loser character and we're going to kind of see that play out. But then it's like, he's literally like the proto incel with a white knight complex. Yeah. You're not wrong. Um, You're not wrong. So yeah, not a fan of that character, <laughs> but I love you, Larry Cerner. Okay. All right. So where are you at on this? Um, okay, he was one of my runner-ups. Okay. Agreed. Because he it's is... It's hard to like he, that character. He is annoying. He is yeah. a shit. He does expect sex as a reward. <laughs> um, but at least he is a little self-aware. Like, he knows that he's a loser. He knows that he's overcompensating. Mm-hmm. You know, because okay, he, I'll give you that. He doesn't like the way he looks and stuff like that. Um, at least he has some self-awareness. So sure. I, I can't hate him too much. <laughs> um, there's also... Uh, Junior Hubbard from part five, the local <laughs> inbred redneck riding his motorcycle. That, yeah, that screams every fucking line. And his mom's annoying too, but at least she has some good one-liners. Uh, and he does the whole thing where he repeats what she says. Yeah, yeah. It's so fucking annoying. You can't wait for him to die. And when yeah. he finally does, it's great. It's a good death too. Yeah, but he's also a little too broad to be taken too seriously. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't, he doesn't fit the bill. Another runner-up I have... Is a Kia, Kia from Freddy versus Jason, played by uh, Kelly Rowland. Mm. Okay, yeah, it was their star power that they tagged yeah. in for the film. I mean, she's just not good, man. She, she, her, <laughs> her line delivery is horrible. She really can't act. I'm sorry, and it's not cool her using the f word. You know, it mm-hmm. wasn't cool then. It's not cool now. Yeah, I was shocked at the time. I was like, what? And it's so like you could have put any other word there. Yeah, script wise, anything. And that, she didn't write it. It's not her fault. Mm-hmm. Um, Again, we're talking about the characters. Yes, the character. Um, she is a lovely singer and a performer. Yeah, I'm sure she's a great lady. Um, but, uh, oof. Her death was 
nice. It was good to see her die, although I think it should have been more brutal. <laughs> it's also pretty late to the film. Yeah, but <laughs> the winner for me <laughs> is Stephen Freeman from Jason Goes to Hell, played by John D. LeMay. That's the main dude, right? I yeah. fucking hate oh, his character. Now, come dude. on. I fucking hate his character. <laughs> he is whiny. He is annoying. He doesn't have any gravitas. I don't think he has any screen presence. Mm. And again, this is also, it's not the problem with John DeLumay. I'm sure he's a perfectly lovely person. Um, but maybe, and you know, it was the writers that under, underwrote him. But he's just, his, his like quips and stuff mm-hmm. when they're trying to be self-aware and self-reflexive and funny. He, it seems like he thinks he's in a different movie. <laughs> and he just never, ever fits for me. And just every time he's on screen, actually, I have this problem with every actor in that movie. Well, no. see, the problem is, is he has to try to act against Creighton Duke. <laughs> Creighton Duke, the most <laughs> underutilized, <laughs> weird character in the franchise. Um, and man, he just, every time he's on screen, it just annoys me. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I know. Even more than... The, the gauntlet has been thrown, than my old, friend. old Shelly, huh? Yeah, even more than Shelly. Wow. At least I can relate to Shelly. <laughs> <laughs> In some ways. In some ways. <laughs> Which part? Well, for probably the self-conscious, you know, geekery side. Okay, okay. Hopefully not the misogynistic incel type. Um, so we got some bigger things we want to get into. Um, maybe we should talk about some side things real quick. Some side materials beyond the film. Sure. For a little bit. Okay. Um, I'll just get your thoughts on these. I have some scattered thoughts. So uh, first of all, the comics. Have you ever read any of the comics? I never read the comics. Nope. Um, so I think what I want to talk about these is there's been a lot of little comic series. They've kind of done different like side stories or continuities and stuff. Um, I think the thing I want to talk about with them though, is that they dig into a thing that's like a kernel that's in this franchise. That's never really been, uh, blossomed out into what it could be. And that's the angle of Jason's father, Elias Voorhees. Ah, yes. Um, he gets a mention here or there. I think the only time they actually drop his name is in Jason goes to hell. Because the earlier script of that was going to have him be more part of it. And I think right. several of the other earlier sequels also at one point had a hook where they were going to have Elias in there. And then... Yeah, because at one point the Gravedigger from part six was going to be his dad. Yeah. And then it was going to be where his dad was paying the Gravedigger to take care of like Pamela's grave. Yeah, to tend the graves. Yeah. Um, so uh, in an interview, the writer of the first film, Victor Miller, attested that... Um, his kind of vision of what was going on with Elias was that um, he skipped out on the family due to Pamela's kind of obsession with their son. Um, and that's kind of all he ever saw it would be. And he didn't see a reason to bring it in mm-hmm. to the mix of anything. I, I think that's boring. I like what some of the comics have done because they really leaned into like the weird elements where they're a comic and they can kind of just do whatever. Um, so I, I forget which series it was in particular, but there was one that really hooked on to this idea of like the supernatural angle, uh, which you get kind of hints of in Jason Goes to Hell. Mm-hmm. And again, I think earlier scripts maybe leaned on that more and then they backed off on it. Um, there's actually some, in some of the comics, they bring up the suggestion that um, the Voorhees family kind of has a history of occultism that goes back to like warlocks in the past. Okay. And that um, Elias dabbled in that and that they even had a copy of the Necronomicon and it kind of leads into that whole like deadite Jason theory, right? Which again is all sparked off of Jason Goes to Hell. Yes. So I know that you're not so fond of that. I'm not but, a fan of that. No, um, I think it's a funny way to tie them up. I think if they had gone through with the um, Freddy versus Jason versus Ash mm-hmm. that never happened, that would have been a funny thing to like loop back in. 
Right. Just because now you have the Evil Dead franchise in the yeah, mix. Yeah, I could see that. There'd be more of a connection. Mm. But okay, yeah. So there's comics. Um, they're fun. Okay. No, no more to say about it, really. Um, did, wanna, you, did you ever read the young adult novels that they made? See, I wanted to talk about those too, but I haven't read any of those. <laughs> I so I don't know either. if you can speak to any of that. I can't. Or no. I can't. And they're like really expensive right now. Yeah, they're hard to track down. <laughs> um, now is not the time to get into those if you're trying to be a Friday fanatic. Um, the TV series. Do you have any thoughts? Completely unrelated to the movies. Yep. Um, but I did watch it religiously. I fucking day. love it, dude. Yeah. Like it's so cheesy and so so lame now, but it's just weird. And it, it's if you hadn't seen it, the premise is that there's this yeah. antique shop, and everything in this antique shop, or most things, is like some sort of cursed item and yep. stuff like the that. The owner made a deal with the devil. Yeah. And his name was Vondretti, right? Which is yep. French for. Thirteenth, um, um, yeah. So now this was it his brother or something um, inherited the shop. It's his, it's his niece and her cousin. Yeah, but they have like there's an older dude too that kind of tells him what to do. Yeah, he's like the friend. He's like the Charlie of the, yeah. of the movie. Um, I think he's an uncle. Maybe. Yeah, he's the uncle. Yeah, he's the brother of the guy who made okay, the deal yeah. with the devil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And he sends the young hot people out to go gather the dangerous items. Yeah, because all the all the cursed items get out of the shop, and they got to get them back and storm in the vault. Uh, the um, female star of the movie, Robbie, I guess her name is. Mm-hmm. That's, she only went by that name. Was one of my first big huge crushes. Oh, cool! I, I like always that. thought she was just so hot. Um, so really, the connecting pieces for this were just like kind of production stuff. Like um, Frank Mancuso Jr. Mm-hmm. He had a heavy hand in this, and his name pops up in a lot of the Friday early on Friday films. Um, there was talks of them wanting to connect it. They were going to have, um, and this is even a rumor too, so I don't even know if it's substantiated or not, but mm-hmm. it was said that the final planned episode was supposed to be that the last cursed item was the hockey mask. Huh. And that was like the loop in for how Jason even is involved in this at all. Um, but, that could have been kind of fun. But I mean, it's one of those things that ran for a few seasons and then it got axed. Mm-hmm. There's no real resolution. Yeah. Is what it is. I have some weird childhood nostalgia on this one. I, I may, maybe have shared this story before, but I don't remember, so I'll, I'll tell it again here. Um, but it's like one of my first horror-related memories as a little kid because I distinctly remember being put down to bed by my parents, mm-hmm. and I heard some like weird music from the living room, <laughs> and it was the the opening theme to this show. Okay, and it was so haunting and so weird, but it was like alluring at the same mm. time. And I'll definitely put this in the show notes so you can listen to it if you've never heard it. Mm-hmm. And so I crept out of bed and like snuck down the hall into the living room and they didn't know I was there and I watched the opening of the show and it scared me out of my goddamn mind. Like, <laughs> Do you remember having any idea what it was? What was going on? When, um, the it, it was just when it was like panning through the oh, antique Oh, just the credits. Yeah, credit the scene. credits. Oh, yeah. I thought you meant like the first like act. No, it's literally just the music playing and it's panning through <laughs> and there's the little like, oh, there's the cat like, Rang! And yeah. the, everything and the radio yeah. turns on for yeah, a second. Yeah, like a doll moving on its own. Yeah, and shit like that. I lost my damn little kid <laughs> mind, and it made me so fucking nervous. It just completely destroyed me. <laughs> That's fantastic. Until I, and it was probably not even until like a some years later, I was a little older and I caught it on TV, and then just got obsessed with it. Oh, so it didn't like trigger some sort of psychosis no. or something. <laughs> but I think it's one of those things that that was, that was like one of those first taste moments. That's amazing. Where like I, I didn't like it, but then after it was over, I was like, "Ooh, mm-hmm. what is this feeling?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You want more of that? I had a similar reaction to the Tells from the Dark Side. Mm-hmm. God, I love Tells from the Dark yeah, Side. That too. was yeah. so creepy. Yeah, 
and just hearing the music would be like, oh, oh. <laughs> I miss the day of TV anthology horror. Yeah, they're man. great. Okay, uh, let's see what else. Other side things. I want to talk about the video game. Video games. Yeah, you're talking about the classic Nintendo game, So let's, game, let's right? start with the Nintendo <laughs> one, because I think you probably played that, right? I never played it. Oh, wow. I well, didn't play it. I never I never knew anyone who had it. Um, it's it's weird. You're you're running around. I've you're, seen the screenshots and the yeah. you know, playthroughs and things. Throwing like that. rocks at snakes and bats. And... <laughs> of course, because every Nintendo game back then had to have bats. <laughs> um, and it's weird because if you don't have the manual when you're a kid, it's like you don't even know how to play it mm-hmm. or the premise that like you kind of have to figure out where Jason is and like go to the cabins to yeah. protect the kids and right. Um, it's so weird, and, and he then, comes out in this big purple jumpsuit yeah, and everything. Such a good look, and I love that now they've made like figures and other stuff <laughs> yeah. of that that style. Um, the, the next game, which we're, we'll get to in a second, like they made a skin of that version of him too. That, yeah. Um, but yeah, but the NES, NES one, it's like it's any NES game. Like it's super hard. It's super it's a confounding. Yeah. A little side scroller. It did have some early three D stuff going on mm. though. When you go in the houses and the yeah, cabins, you're turning the halls and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a cool idea. It's cool that it even existed. At the very earliest days of video games, there was a horror video game for this, and yeah, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre came out before this. Yeah, on the Atari, one of the first mm. horror, and that one's crazy because Alien it, it let you play as Leatherface in that, and you yeah. were killing people. Yeah, you had the chainsaw, and you're going after people. Yeah, it's awesome, wild. Um, but then more recently, in, in our modern day here, we've got um, the Friday the Thirteenth game made by Gun Media. Mm-hmm. Which came out on pretty much all modern consoles. It was um, part of this whole like asymmetrical horror multiplayer craze that's been going on. Right. Uh, obviously, the biggest one of that is Dead by Daylight. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't really play modern games, so I don't. I don't. Yeah, I just I never get in the. You probably just what well, you've seen maybe I've clips seen of people it. Play it. I've seen yeah some playthroughs. And stuff. Yeah, I was a day one like in hard on this because it was just like again it's Friday. The 13th, I hear it's fun as hell. It was so fucking fun. Like I loved it to death. And I've played a lot of Dead by Daylight, and I like Dead by Daylight. I've bought all the DLCs for it. I have all the, the cameo characters and stuff. But mm-hmm. it's like, there's something about the way that Dead by Daylight is that like when you get into some of the cameo characters, it doesn't make sense anymore. Like, why is the alien from Aliens running around and lifting up people and putting them on hooks? Oh, that happens? Well, that's like the core of like how Dead by Daylight works. Is like the killers are all like there by this demon... And you get the, the the survivors to put them on these hooks to sacrifice them to like the eldritch okay. god thing, and okay. that's the whole mechanic. Is you have to like hook them, and there's like a thing, and they have to get hooked so many times before they die, and hmm. like you don't just like run up and kill them. And so like that works with their original killers that they've made, mm-hmm. but then when you move into like why is Michael Myers doing that? Right. And then why is why is Leatherface doing that? Yeah. He would never. He would just. Carbon has. Well, he likes and, to hook them, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's for a that's just a, that's just a pretext before the butchering comes. And, <laughs> right. Um, so that part of it, like, it really breaks my mind on that part. Yeah. It, it, it kind of is like a flavor fail for yeah. me. Whereas in Friday the Thirteenth, it's like, yeah, it's Jason. Yeah, he's coming at you. Yeah, he's gonna fucking kill you. Can mm-hmm. you survive? What are you gonna do? Yeah. Um, and just the chaos of that game when it started, and like. You had like the plots of Friday the Thirteenth films playing out in the game, just from the weird shit that would go on. Like I remember one of the first games I played, um, and it was smart in that there were different ways you could escape. Right, there was mm. different like avenues you could follow, and they weren't like all equal. And the maps are always randomized, so there's never like a clear path. Um, but I had found like some gasoline, and we had and me and another guy had found the boat, and so like oh we were gonna gas up the boat, and I think it can only seat like two people, so we're like all right we're good we're perfect. So we get the gas canister there, and he starts filling it up. 
And then, like, another dude runs up on us, and he's got, like, a shotgun. And he's just like, drop everything. <laughs> step back from the boat. I'm taking the boat. Holy shit. And we were just like, well, okay, what the fuck? Take the boat then, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And then he's about to get in the boat and sail off. Then suddenly Jason pops up out of the water, fucking kills him. <laughs> the boat's there, but we can't get in the boat now. And we have to like scramble and run back into the camp and try to like lose him. That's amazing. Yeah. That's exactly what would happen in yeah. one of the movies. And it's like, you can't, you can't make that up. It's just. Although it does puzzle me how Jason went into the water because he's so afraid of it. <laughs> well, uh, I, I don't think this was uh, Freddy versus Jason. Oh, Jason. So. Okay. Okay. Uh, which that was another cool thing about the game is that you could pick which style of Jason you wanted to be and they kind of tuned how they played. That's fun. Um, like I was really good with part two. He leaned into doing like the bear traps and stuff like that, which that's kind of one of the only films you really see him lean into that. Um, mm-hmm. So I would do a lot of fun stuff like bear trap outside a cabin, then like raid the cabin. They would try to bail out the window, get caught in the bear trap, you know, mind games. Okay. Fun. Fun. Uh, super fun. Unfortunately, it really fell apart due to the whole legal struggle, which I guess we'll have to talk about at some point, at least lightly. But uh, yeah, um, yeah, they got into a whole thing where they couldn't make anything new for the game until that was settled, and it kind of just choked the game out. And they right. had to they had to just abandon it because you're not you know no cash flow, no yeah, exactly no support. That's a shame. Um, and it kills me because the very next thing on the docket that was about to roll out was a Jason X pack. You were going to have a map that was like the the ship. <laughs> and like the central area was the virtual Crystal Lake. Yeah, they're a hollow deck thing. Yeah, and then the outer edges was like the halls of the ship. That's fun. And then that included adding Uber Jason mm-hmm. as a playable Jason to the mix. That's fun. And we'll we'll never see it. Yeah, we'll never get, get it. it. No. Um, Gun Media, which they're local to us, actually. They're uh, based in Lexington. Oh, really? Which is super awesome. I Shout no out idea. to them. That's cool. Um, they've moved on. They've obtained the Texas Chainsaw Massacre license, and now they've kind of reimagined their system into that. That's fun. Which I haven't had a chance to try it yet. I'm sure it's cool. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get around to it at some point. Nice. And a little... Connecting piece back to our Elias discussion, the lore in the video game actually kind of talked about Elias Voorhees a little bit. There were um, tapes you could collect that were like interviews with Pamela and a uh, little like side info. And you could, if you get them all, it kind of pieces together some some lore oh. to the game. Oh. And what that revealed is that um, in an interview, Pamela states that Elias is actually Jason's stepfather. And that his biological father is unknown and has kind of like assaulted Pamela and raped her. And then she married Elias in the hopes that he would kind of like, Mm -hmm. you know, give Jason a good life and everything would be okay. Uh, But he also ended up being horribly abusive. Right. Um, And there's a suggestion that once Jason was a little older, he kind of influenced Pamela to kill Elias. Damn. Now, canon or not, it's whatever, because almost every film kind of pulls in a yeah, different direction. But um, uh, it was, again, cool that someone was like, hmm, this Elias thing, we should we should try to do something with this. Um, and so the legal thing, I guess, just to lay that down, do you want to just pop that out? or? Uh, well, as far as I know, it was it's all about a dispute between Victor Miller and Sean Cunningham. Yes. Like, who owns Jason? Right. Because Victor Miller wrote the character, the name Jason, even though he wasn't a character yeah. in the original movie. Yeah. For the first film. He still owns that concept. Uh-huh. Whereas Sean S. Cunningham owns, you know, the name Friday the 13th. And I guess pretty much every, like the incarnation of Jason, but not so much the name. <laughs> yeah. As I understood it. 
Um, a lot of it hinged around the first film. Yeah. And the big argument was that um, Cunningham stated that Victor Miller wrote the script as like work for hire. Yeah. So he wrote it, they paid him, they're done. And Victor Miller attested that was not the case. He was part of the team. And then ergo, he should have been in the mix on everything as far as like royalties and rights and everything else yeah. down the road. Viciously long legal battle. Um, I'll probably just link to maybe a summary of it because I don't want to go yeah. play by play through it. Um, it is resolved now. It resolved in the weirdest way possible. Uh, I think that if I remember, I'm going to link it. So just go check that because I don't have this perfect in my mind. But I think Miller got the rights to like kind of the first film content, mm-hmm. uh, but not the kind of iconic visage of Jason. Yeah, because he had nothing to do with that. He had nothing to do with that. So that's Cunningham. But then Cunningham can't do anything with the name Friday the 13th because that was from the first film. So it's a weird disjointed thing where... You think they could just come together (laughs) and say, hey, we both like money. Yeah. Let's just form an alliance, an agreement, and, you know, split the profits or whatever. And that's kind of where it is now is for anything to happen. uh, They have to kind of come to the table on it. Man, it's so insane. Yeah. Because it's like, what are you going to do? You're not going to go off and make a direct sequel to the original Friday the 13th and have it be anything that's meaningful without... Well, God, at this point, though, the continuity is <laughs> yeah. all fucked anyway. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, does it really matter? <laughs> uh, and so my last side dalliance is uh, fan films. Okay. A lot of fan films being made all the time, but there's some particularly interesting ones for Friday the 13th. Mm-hmm. Is there any that... You're uh, fond of the one I like. I mean, probably the most famous is Never Hike Alone. Yeah, which legendary. is a legit great, you know, short. Uh, Womp Stomp films. Mm-hmm. And if nothing changes as of when we're recording this now, so don't hold us to it if it changes by the time this drops. I think Never Hike Alone Two is supposed to drop on this very Friday the Thirteenth. That would be lovely. Mm. Um, the, the sequel to that was Never Hike in the Snow. So this is connected with that as well, correct? Yeah, Never Hike in the Snow is a prequel. That's right. Mm. Yeah, because it... Yeah. And that was less interesting. Mm. I mean, it was fine. It was really just realizing a thing that people always wanted. People always said, what if there was like a winter set? Yeah. We want to see Jason in the snow. And we we got it, and it was was nice. Right. I would like to see that expanded upon, though, in a real movie. Oh, yeah, for sure. Something like a ski lodge type setting yeah, would be amazing. It's perfect because okay, there's this old camp nobody wants. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna build a ski lodge there. <laughs> yeah, you know, so or or some sort of winter recreation thing. Yeah, you can easily flub it. Like gets pissed off and starts killing people. It backs up to a mountain and you make a ski lodge it there. It writes yeah. itself. Yeah, so good. Uh, yeah, ice skating on the lake. I mean, Christ, you could bust through the ice <laughs> and grab someone. I mean, shit, it writes itself. Yeah, and there's cool connection points too. Like for Never Hike Alone, they got Tom Matthews back in mm-hmm. to reprise Tommy Jarvis as an older. Uh, I think he's what well, he's a paramedic, and it's kind of one of those things where he's yeah. like, you can tell he's just sticking around, <laughs> right? In case anything happens, he knows Jason's coming back. Yeah, uh, and that's just like it put the biggest smile to my face to like, and you you don't see him at first. You just hear him say, "Hey, maggot head," yeah, and then it pans and there he is and the deputy too from part six is in that isn't he i think he, he's gonna be in uh the second yeah. film he's, he's in uh never hike in the snow mm. he's in that uh there's another one that i thought was interesting called jason rising i've not watched it yet but um, is that the porno version no oh, okay. no 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 that's uh jason xxx right <laughs> all right obviously <laughs> jason 30 are there that um, many <laughs> one day there's a lot of them 
maybe tell us some of your favorites if you've seen some that you think are pretty cool. Yeah. As a general rule, I tend to avoid fan films. <laughs> yeah. Because they're very fan filmy. Mm-hmm. But I, again, like Never Hike Alone, sometimes they just transcend that whole stigma and they're actually really good. And what I want to say is that in a way, they've kind of been keeping the fire going mm-hmm. during this whole legal dispute. Yeah. Yeah, fuck these Halloween reboot calls or whatever and this fucking exorcist shit, you know? I'd rather see more Friday the 13th movies. But not by Blumhouse or David Gordon Green. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I cannot stress how much, no. Maybe A24. I would, I would go for that. <laughs> you know, not all their stuff is art house. Should we... Um, Let's get to some nitty gritty stuff now. Should, okay. we, should we do kills? Uh, sure. Let's do some big, our favorite kills. Okay. Now I picked five favorite kills. I also picked five. And I got some runner-ups. Should I go first with the runner-up? Sure. I, I didn't really prepare runner-ups. Okay. So. I'll, I'll tell you my runner-ups. And then we'll trade off. Sure. Um, so, honorable mentions. Annie getting her throat slit in the first one. Yeah. Because that's such a statement. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, I think that's, that is the first kill. Yeah. In the movie. And it's... Fairly graphic, you know. The appliance is, is cool. It's well done. It, it doesn't hold up too great on Blu-ray these days. <laughs> True, but because you can kind of see the discoloration, but it's still a really cool appliance. Mm-hmm. Um, Sets the tone right away. Yeah, uh, Judy getting bashed against a tree in a sleeping bag in part six. Great kill, funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things I I really liked about the movie that I don't really like that much but there's some good moments like this one was uh the killing at the rave in the cornfield oh yes because that is where you have your rage <laughs> in the cornfield but when jason's on fire yeah it's actual it's an actual fire stunt and he's mm-hmm. just going around killing everyone that's that's really fucking cool it's so amazing and he's blazing that trail through the corn it's just that's that's a <laughs> that's a bravura moment gonna say I, d- I don't agree with a lot of Ronnie Yu's choices but that was uh, a primo yeah it was that was great <laughs> uh, okay I just wanted you to see his eyes so you could <laughs> get that emotion you know so um, should I do this in order I guess I should do this. mine are random I, I couldn't rank okay. these All right. so. mine will be random too so I will start I will start by giving praise to one of your favorites oh one I don't like okay but part eight does have one of the best kills. It has quite a few good kills. I grant you this, but when Deborah gets impaled by, I think it's a rail spike. Yep. And then sliced in half. Hell yeah. A nice practical effect. It's a thing of beauty. It's wonderful. It's Love it. Perfect. If the rest of the movie was half that good, <laughs> but that is a great kill. And it's something nice I can say about Jason goes to hell. So, um, I, I don't know how we want to do this, but um, that's actually on my list. <laughs> the kill? Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Anything yeah. you want to say about uh, it? Split in half. Know. So, uh, I'll say, you know, say what you will of the whole, like, rest of the film and the occult body swap and stuff and whether you can jive with that or not. But I think every time that it's the actual Jason and he's on screen, it's just fucking awesome. Right. And, and you want more of that. You don't fucking get yeah, it. Yeah. And, and it's that scene is so intense because it's not just what you described it's also that they're having sex first beforehand and he comes up on them mm-hmm. and so he, we've had other kills in the series where people have been having sex and he offs them but this one man he's so fucking brutal and isn't there like a safe sex joke too like he throws the condom out or something yeah. and he steps on it mm-hmm. I and mean, that's funny and I think uh, also too this I think is only in the unrated cut too so yes. if you saw it in theaters and you've never seen that other cut yeah. you missed this because they were like oh we have to pull it out 
Um, Best thing in the movie, and they cut it out. It's so good, and it's so well done, and it's so fucking gory. It doesn't shy away from showing anything. K&B effects, man. Mm -hmm. Best thing about that movie. And it really kind of pushed the envelope to me in a lot of ways, because I think there are a lot of brutal kills, and we're going to get into some of those, but it's like, I think sometimes you forget how tame they are in some ways. These are still like studio films that were going out to theaters. Mm -hmm. And of all the kills in the whole franchise, this one really kind of like pushed... I think it tried to go a little further. Also, it was the early 90s, and mm-hmm. things were really getting tamped down mm-hmm. by that time. So at that time, when everything is reeling back in, this one was like, no, charge fucking ahead and rip oh. someone in half. All right. Okay, well, give me one of your kills. Okay, sure. Uh, this one might be on your list. I don't know. We'll find out. Um, this is one that I'm also not super fond of, but it has its moments, and that is Jason X, and that is the iconic... Most legendary, the frozen face smash. That should have been one of my honorable mentions. It's so good. It, it's so hilarious. Even if you hate that film, you love that moment because yeah. it's so awesome. And it's so, you've got this weird sci-fi premise and they're leaning into it mm-hmm. to make an interesting kill. Yes. Yes. I just love how after the smash, it's so goopy. Yeah. 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 And even though you can't see his face, you know, Jason's like, wow, that was neat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, he didn't even really know what was going to happen. Yeah. He's like, is this water? I'll just drown her. <laughs> oh, cool. Smash. <laughs> so much fun. Yeah. It's great. Okay. Uh, another one of my favorites is Andy in part three when he's doing his handstand. Okay, yeah, that is a good one. It slices right down the middle and cut in half. <laughs> I love how they shot it from the bottom up, mm-hmm. so they used the you know the glass floor, mm-hmm. so you can see him falling. It one of the more effective creative parts, not otherwise pretty lifeless movie. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty cold in the part three, but um, that kill particularly is very yeah. very good. Yeah, it's a good kill. Very inspired. And later on, you see the body too. You know, and that's it's it's cool seeing the guts are hanging out and shit like that. So, okay, give me one of yours. Uh, I'm gonna take us back to the first one again. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think I got I, I got to shout out the Arrowhead kill. That's on my list, brother. Excellent, excellent. I thought it might be. It's um, classic, especially the uncut version. Yes, and it's just proof that this runs in the family because Pamela's every bit as brutal uh-huh. as Jason can be. Yep. Um, a lot of her kills have much more suspense, I think, and tension to them and build up, and it's very slow. But then when it happens, it's still fucking brutal. And then here it is, Kevin Bacon. Mm-hmm. Good-looking dude even then, even though he hasn't blown up yet. And it's just so fucking brutal. And it looks, even on the Blu-ray, it still looks so real. It looks great, yeah. yeah. And there's that whole story about how um, the prop wasn't working right. Yeah, it like got clogged. Yeah, and the dude just had to blow to push the blood out. Yeah, yeah. But it just... still, it sprays so and the, good. Yeah, it looks so and that's good. when you and... have that one big blurt, which probably would happen. You <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah, it's wonderful. It's a great kill. And it's amazing to me that this whole big franchise and everything they've done, like still there's some of the stuff in the first one that I'm like, man, they've never really topped that because that was just so well executed. Tom Savini at the height of his powers. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just can't, <laughs> you can't fight that. Yeah. Awesome. What else you got? Um, another one of my all-time favorites is Mark when he gets his face impelled by a machete, and then we see him rolling back on the steps in his wheelchair mm, in yep. part two. That's such a sad one because you really love Mark, and then yeah, he's another really likable character, <laughs> and it's it's tricky to do because he's in a wheelchair, and it's tricky to do uh, differently disabled people. Either you're making them too like heroic, yeah, or you're making them too pitiable. Mm-hmm. But he's like he's cool. Yeah, you know? I like it too that even though he is, you know, in a wheelchair and stuff, like he's got game. Yeah, like he's he's macking on the ladies oh, and yeah. stuff and everything. Yeah, yeah, they don't they don't like other him. I guess is what I want to say. Right. Yeah, right. He feels like he's naturally a part of the rest of the group. Yeah, and 
Yeah, it's fairly progressive. And in the same in the same way, that situation also doesn't spare him the fury of Jason. Yeah, he still dies. <laughs> and it's 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 almost like artistic though when his wheelchair mm-hmm. is going back down the steps. It's, that's almost Hitchcockian. I'm going to say Hitchcockian okay, about you know a Friday Thirteenth film. You know what? I'm I'm going to allow it. All right. Excellent. Cool, cool. You got a couple more kills, I think. Uh, I've got two more left. So um, next, I'll go to another film that I actually don't like a lot. And this is—I also say this now—is like I realized that if you look at my top favorites, a lot of those don't have my favorite kills. Right. And I, I think what it is is like a lot of them come from these later sequels, and that's just because they had to try to you know up the ante every time, mm-hmm. and that that led to now and again there's one kill that's just like ooh, yeah, it's so creative, it's so iconic, right? And so I got to go to part seven, the new blood and the sleeping bag kill. Okay, legendary, okay. iconic. Of course, the the uncut version is where it really hits the height of its power because God, he wears that body out against the tree. Yes, I think I said part seven when I mentioned that earlier. I think I said part six, mm. but that's part seven. So I misspoke. It's all fine. I apologize. You've already apologized. <laughs> um, and it's sad that it is like the theatrical cut hampered that they had to censor it because that was the beginning of kind of the, oh, we got to reel yeah. these films back in. But man, it's seven so... Seven got butchered. It's so fucking brutal. And I think too, like, if it could have been in its true form, it might improve seven a little bit because maybe the awesome kills would outweigh... Everything else that's I going think they on would, there. Because from yeah. that horrible um, footage that, that still exists, mm-hmm. that, that they couldn't really fix enough to actually yeah. be in the movie. We'll sadly never get like a complete. Yeah. I guess it was that. like coverage footage or something. But that, it would have been great. Yeah, but it, it's so iconic. This is like, oh, I'm going to hide in the sleeping bag. He'll never think <laughs> yeah, yeah. to get me nope. here. And, and wasn't he originally supposed to do it multiple times? Mm-hmm. But I think the censors said you can only do it once. Yeah. But even Kane Hodder, I think, came out and said, I think that's better because it's quick, it's brutal, mm-hmm. bash, it's done. It kind of is a testament to his strength. Right. That... <laughs> yeah. and it's funny because in the, uh, the the newer video game, they have the option where you can creep into a sleeping bag to like hide. Why would you? That's just a bad idea. <laughs> they really were faithful to all the elements of what makes up the film. So. I love it. I love it. All right. Well, my final uh, favorite kill is Jason's death in part four. Mm, okay. One of the best kills ever in any horror film. True. Because I love, I love, love, love. First, she gets him in the hand with the machete, mm-hmm. right? And it like, cuts down halfway through his And the hand. way the hand looks is just so, yeah, so killer, And man. he's looking at it like, what the hell? This has never <laughs> happened before. And she hits the mask off. You see his face. Another great makeup job. That's mm-hmm. probably my second favorite Jason look. And then the machete just in the side of the head. And oh, I guess it's yeah, that's when Tommy hit him. And the coup de grace was when he just falls, oh, yeah. and slides down the blade. Oh, <laughs> man. It's just perfect. It's so. And it's like you know perfect. they promised the final Friday, yeah. and they made it fucking final. There's no question at right. that point. He's fucking dead. And I love that that then colored the rest of the franchise because then it was like, well, what do we do for a new one? Okay, there's a copycat. And then it's like, well, what are we going to do now? I, I, I guess we got to bring him we back. we got to bring him dead. back. Yeah, people hated the copycat. It was too final. There's no way to, like, you yeah. can't pivot out of that at that point. Yeah, he's going to be a zombie now. Awesome. Iconic. I love it. Yeah, it's great. Oh, you're my, I might bust your balls with this one, but uh, I got to get a little love to a personal favorite of mine Yeah. that's not so well regarded. Mm-hmm. And that is Part 8 Jason Takes Manhattan. I'm going with the boxing match. Okay. All right. I know people hate 8. I actually think 8 has several good kills in it. I love um, the rocker chick when he kills her in the stairway. That's, okay. that's a fun kill. 
Um, the Steam Sauna kill. I know that makes a lot of top 10 lists. It's a good kill. I think that's super fun. But I fucking love the cheesiness of, like, they're finally in Manhattan. They're finally going for it. And the whole film, we've kind of had Julius as this, like, antagonistic character where he's, like, sort of like the badass, the jock. Uh-huh. Um, but push comes to shove, and he's on a roof trapped with Jason. And he's like, you know, you know what? Let's go, man. Let's you and me yeah. do this right now. Yeah. And he fucking tries to box Jason, man. And he, he tries. He's doing a good job. He puts in a good fight. He does a good job. The I problem, do like how his knuckles are all bloodied and shit, too. Yeah, like he is not pulling any punches or yeah. anything. He's full force every hit. Problem is that it is already zombie Jason at this point. Right. And then, man, he just gives the one punch and blows his head off. Yeah. It's so ridiculous, so over the top. <laughs> I fucking it, love it, it, man. It is, and it's definitely one of the best kills in the movie. Although, I, even though you don't see it very long, I have an issue <laughs> with the prop head. I just don't think it looks that good. Wow. Maybe that's me being picky. I don't know. <laughs> but it's just, it's not good head, man. Not good head. <laughs> but I will actually point out another death in part eight that I like. That is bloodless. Was mm. Kelly Yu's death. And I think she did it herself. Well, first off, let's just talk about Kelly Yu for a second. And Oh, I'm going to in a minute. <laughs> we love you, Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> but she's getting strangled by Jason, yeah, right? Yeah, that's and a great just, kill. She died, and he just throws her down, and she just collapses. I buy that she's dead mm. when she hits the ground. I'm just saying, if you took someone with no knowledge of this franchise and just kind of gave them, like, supercuts of mm-hmm. the kills, I think a lot of people would be like, whoa, eight is fucking awesome. Until they actually sit down to right. watch the full film, and then they're like, it's a piece of shit. what in the world were they doing when they made this movie? Yeah. But I love the way she lands, and she's yeah. just like a limp, dead doll. It's, it's fantastic. Excellent. So that's, that's one good thing I'll say about part eight. <laughs> that's the thing is like, even my least favorite one, there's still things that I appreciate about there, it and enjoy there. about it. And it's, there's never one where it's like, there's none that are Halloween kills or Halloween ends, you know, like that level. Like <laughs> right. even, even the platinum dunes remake, it's not that bad. I've seen it more than once, mm-hmm. which is more than I can say for a lot of the other <laughs> shit out there. All right. All right. All right. Should we be purient and talk about the hottest girl? Yes, I think we. I think we need to. Okay. I think. All right. Um, but I'm going to challenge us. I'm going to say that um, we try to be equal opportunity here on the podcast, and okay. even though though we are two um, white straight dudes Sis in a basement, dudes, yeah. um, if we're talking about the hottest girls, we also to give some of the hunkiest boys. Okay, I can do it. Okay. All right. So we'll we'll start with the ladies. All right. I have several runner-ups. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any runner-ups? Um. Yeah. Okay. okay, yeah, I can give some runner-ups. All sure. Right. Um, my first runner-up is Vicky from Part 2, played by Lauren Marie Taylor. And she was the one who was macking on Mark. Mm-hmm. I just okay, can we just cute. say, like, everyone in 2 is fucking hot? Because goddamn, man. Yeah, yeah, they're all, yeah. they're all... Even the person who's supposed to be, like, the nerdy one that's not cool is, like, still hot. jacked as hell, and he takes his shirt off, and you're like, woo. <laughs> yeah, you're like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I like Vicky a lot because she's sweet and, okay. and just cute. Well, well, let me throw you a runner-up from okay. part two, and that is um, Kirsten Baker as Terry. Okay, yep. 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 Sure. She has a great um, <laughs> wardrobe. Yes, the, the, uh, the blue jean short shorts and the Mickey Mouse t-shirt. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right, another one of my runner-up, and this is a twofer because it's the twins from part oh, four. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, Camilla and Carrie Moore, who play Tina and Terry. Another Terry. Sure. I'm cool with that. I mean, twins. And they're just adorable. They're just cute. Okay. Well, it's not the like, you know. Um, and uh, one of them is smart enough to hook up with... Um, Crispin Glover. Crispin Glover, thank you. Yes. 
Yeah, she thinks he's funny. <laughs> and he is. She's right. She's very right. <laughs> oh, she's right. Um, this is going to be a blanket one, I guess, um, <laughs> for a runner-up. And I'm just going to say, and I kind of already said this earlier too, but the entire cast of the Friday the 13th remake by Platinum Dunes, I, I, we kind of already established that. They're all supermodels. They're all really hot. Um, yeah, they didn't make my runner-up list. No, well, I think my, it's really just for choice. the one sex scene, I think, in the, the film. The perfect nipple placement? Yep. Yeah. Um, not only is that so fucking goofy that you lose it every time, but I mean... It's a great line. Yeah. It's a great delivery. Um, the, the, the girls are very attractive, but it's almost like, again, like I said, they're just like that CW model, mm-hmm. <sighs> boring attractive. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. I, I, again, I can't. I can't fault you. Your choice. Okay. Any more runner-ups for you? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, there is Tina in Part Five, played okay. by Debbie Sue Voorhees, and you know which one she is. Yeah. Um, she's in the. She gets. She's the one who gets killed. Has a sex scene and then mm-hmm. gets killed with the garden shears through the eyes. Uh, have you ever seen that video by Wolfie's Just Fine? I don't know. Uh, there I'll is a music the video notes. by a band called Wolfie's Just Fine. Uh, where it is all about uh, the singer, the narrator's experience as a kid seeing the scene for the first time. Oh, And they reenact the scene with different actors and stuff. Hmm. And it's really well done. And it's a great song, too, actually. Okay. So go cool. check that out. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I'll wow. put that in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll look it up. Sure. Uh, you have no more runner-ups? I mean, the thing is, I could pull someone from every movie if I wanted to. Um <laughs> So I think I'll I'll close it off there. I won't, I won't give any more runners. Okay, all right. I got two more. Okay. Uh, Violet in part five. Another part yeah. fiver. She's the, adorable. The goth, yeah. you know, emo. Love her dance as well. Chick. Yeah. There's a yeah. lot of good dancing in the Friday the 13th franchise. Uh, Tiffany Helm is the actress. I love her punk look. And um, all my choices are brunettes. Okay. She is a dyed blonde. She's a natural <laughs> brunette. So that still, that still counts. Uh, I got to put as a runner-up. Eve Watanabe, played by Kelly Yu in Part 8. Yep. Oh, that, that was the other runner-up I wanted to mention. Yes. Okay, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned it. Yes. Yeah. Love her to death. Yeah, so adorable. And But my winner, unless you want to go... Why don't you, you want to do your winner first? Sure. Okay. Uh, mine's, mine's kind of a swerve because... I'm just going to be honest and say I kind of have like a little like cinema film crush on this person in general. Okay. Uh, I'm going to take us to Freddy vs. Jason for Catherine Isabel. Okay, yeah, no, Ginger Snaps. God, yes. love her to death, Ginger Snaps, uh, American Mary. Mm-hmm. Amazing surprise inclusion and then carried on through the rest of the series for Hannibal. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, true, true. And she looks really cute in that baseball hat, too. Yeah. Um, the film has so many other problems that she kind of doesn't, like, her character doesn't rank very high, but love her to death. All right, good choice. No, she's, she's great. Uh, my winner... Back to part four, which is just loaded with attractive <laughs> um, Samantha, played by Judy Aronson. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. She's the one who dies in the raft. Yeah. She's just so cute. She's just <laughs> just perfect. And I, I, if you've seen the actress recently, she still looks fantastic. I don't know what her secret is. Hmm. So, yeah, that's my <laughs> period <laughs> list of hot chicks. Cool. <laughs> All right, so now we got to go for the Hunky Boys. Oh, this is easy. For me, it's easy. Okay. Do you have any runner-ups? Um, runner-ups, runner-ups, runner-ups. Um, you know, I'm going to put Mark in there. Okay. Cool. He, yeah, he he's deserves. a good-looking dude. He's 
Um, and also, he was one of the few actors that was actually out at the time too. Mm, yeah. Um, but I think I think he's a really good looking guy. Really, handsome. he was going to be one of my runner ups. So yeah, I'll just tag that in there too. All right. So. Cool. 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 Um, and then my other runner up I had for an honorable mention again the whole cast of Friday the Thirteenth the remake. Yeah. Uh, again, they're all they're all CW stars, right. including one legit. Uh, right, because it's got the dude from Supernatural. Yeah, they're it, all unnaturally attractive. His name's and, not uh, coming to me and right now at the moment. Me either. Um, Padalecki or something like that. What's that? Jared Padalecki. Yep. Mr. Supernatural himself. Yeah. Um, and I've got one more runner-up. I don't know if you have any other ones. Um, No. Okay. So I'm going to say the um, John Shepard, Tommy Jarvis in part five. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. Um, for all his weird, like, I'm a troubled teen weirdness going on, he's a pretty hunky dude. Yeah, he's, he's jacked in that Yeah, movie. he's jacked. And, <laughs> I could, um, you totally buy him as a serial killer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if they had swerved into him being the next Jason, I'd be like, okay. Yeah, yeah I, sure. I, I buy that. Um, yeah, that's a good choice. And I think it's kind of, yeah, yeah. He's a good looking dude. That's yeah, all I'm saying. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, the winner, obviously. It seems kind of an obvious choice, but I mean, Jack, Kevin Bacon from the first one. It's hard to argue there. Sure, yeah. <laughs> I'll give you that. That's, I would pick as the hunkiest dude. I actually picked someone else. Really? Yep. So Hunkier gonna, than Kevin Bacon? To me, yeah. Mm, okay. I'm going to actually go with um, Scott from Friday the 13th Part 2, played by Russell Todd. Really? Uh, he's the one that pulls all the pranks and stuff, but he's got those dreamy eyes. Um, okay. He's the one that ends up hung upside down from the tree. Okay. Um, I feel like he's almost got like a Bruce Campbell vibe to him. He's got the very strong chin. Yeah, he always looked a little evil to me. Oh, yeah? Maybe because his, his character is mischievous, mm-hmm. but he looks like the villain in a Giallo movie to me. Oh. <laughs> well, Jason, maybe I want that. <laughs> maybe you do. <laughs> and I'm not here to judge you for it. I'm going to say pound for pound, though. Like, Friday the 13th Part 2 is like the sexiest people for the franchise, guys and girls, just across the board. Uh, that one in number four, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. Something, something was going on with those. I don't know what it was, but yeah, you're right. Something, something special. Okay, well, thanks for indulging us on that, everybody. <laughs> Do um, you agree with our picks? Let us know. And you know, for all of these two, like chime in and let us know your favorites. Like, what's your favorite, Jason? What's your favorite kill? Yeah. Tell us of your favorite hunky boys. Uh huh. If you or care for hunky, if boys. you care for hunky boys, <laughs> or if you do not so care, then do as you wish. <laughs> um, but I think this all brings us to kind of the one thing we got to do: the ranking. We got to rank the franchise, the best, the, the worst to the best, right? Worst to the best, our, our yeah. least favorite, maybe most hated, to <laughs> our most loved Friday Thirteenth film. And so, do we want to go back and forth on this, or do we want to just take turns? Because if we go back and forth, then I feel like it's going to get weird. I we... say we uh, take turns, okay. and then if our choice comes up on the other person's list, we can go ahead and talk about it, and then eliminate that from the list. What do you think? Mm, I just feel like that'll be weird. Okay, all right. All right, cool. Let's, let's take say... turns, okay. and then we'll say what we have. We'll keep our mouths shut okay. until it's our turn to talk about the movie. How's okay, that? I like that. Sure. Okay. All right, then you may begin, my friend. Okay, excellent. So this is for a number... Well, let's agree on this first. There's 12 movies we're talking about here, right? Yes, okay. yes, because I'm including everything in the box set. Right. So Freddy versus Jason counts. So that's 1 to 10, plus the remake, plus Freddy versus Jason. Yes, and I always thought that... Freddy versus Jason was much more of a Jason film than a Freddy film. Oh, I agree totally. That that's Freddy playing in the Freddy Jason kills world. like one person. Yeah, you know. <laughs> okay, so this will come as no surprise to you and perhaps some of our listeners. 
Uh, my least favorite. Number 12. Is Jason Goes to Hell, The Final Friday from 1993. Mm. I despise this movie. I <laughs> loathe this movie. Now, it does have some killer effects. Mm-hmm. It's got some good gloppy gore. It has that one of my favorite kills I mentioned before. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got a good Jason look. Um, but he's not fucking in the movie. He's got, what, like eight minutes of screen time, if that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I hate I hate the story. I hate it's out of nowhere. We've <laughs> never seen any indication of any of this before. He's a slug. You know, he takes over people's bodies. I'm, I'm, it's, it's just fucking stupid. It doesn't line up with anything we have seen. Because we saw him reanimated by a bolt of lightning. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is extremely pedantic and nerdy mm-hmm. to be arguing about this. Sort Which, of by thing. the way, the the whole revival in part six, it's so universal horror. Yeah, to yeah it's classic. That. It's a lightning bolt. Bam. Okay, yeah. that's all I need. You know, <laughs> there's no slug. You know, he's not changing bodies. It's mm-hmm. the same body because we see it keep getting damaged. If he was switching bodies, he wouldn't have all the same fucking wounds and scars and stuff. I appreciate the effort to do mm-hmm. something a little different. But it just does not land for me. And I hate the characters. I hate every character in this movie. The only good character is Creighton Duke, and he does nothing. <laughs> and we, we don't even know why he knows what he knows. Um, what if they had put Creighton Duke into, like, every slasher of the time? Like, the, like Freddy's dead. Suddenly, Creighton Duke shows up and like, yeah, Freddy Krueger. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Exposition. Um... Yeah, it's just for me. Wow. It's just it's a, just a it's a complete misfire. Okay, so I will say my list it really changed in like the last I'm gonna say like three or four years. Okay, probably along with these uh, newer Blu-rays that came out, I really went back through on every single film and kind of re did some soul searching and changed my mind on a few things. Mm-hmm. So this used to not be my least favorite, but now it is. So my number twelve, the Platinum Dunes Friday the Thirteenth remake. Yeah. And so all of these were of varying quality. You know, I think really the only truly like quote unquote successful one would have been the Texas Chainsaw Massacre one, um, which has its problems as well, I think. But it, it's probably the most effective of all the remakes. Um, what I want to say about this one is I thought that it had a good idea. I thought the, the concept of like, let's kind of condense the first few films into like one continuity and run with that. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. Mm-hmm. That's a neat idea. But the problem is, is like the rest of the time, it's just so. So fucking boring. Again, we talked about it earlier. The characters suck. They're uninteresting. There's no there's no drama. There's no anything going on. There's no stakes. You've got the subplot of the, the chick trying to find her sister. And it's just like, oh, God, it's so just barely there and even focused on. Um, I do want to say I thought their idea with Jason was kind of neat. The idea of, like, let's try to treat this as a really, really realistic idea. And let's say that he was out here in the woods all these time and he grew up and then how would he even be functional as a killer? And we say, okay, he's kind of got this like hunter trapper motif and he's like, there's traps everywhere. And I think that's like a cool idea. I don't think it's really Jason Voorhees though. Mm. Right. Cause you, you think of Jason Voorhees and he's like the, the sad boy that loved his mom that drowned in the lake. Cause mm. he was bullied by kids and right. he's kind of driven by his vengeance. And there's a, there's like a, how can I say this fairly and not make it weird? there's a simplicity to Jason mm-hmm. as a, as a killer, as a monster. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like his charm in a way almost. And, and this one tried to do something more with it in a way that's like, that's a neat idea. But then I also don't know how much that really feels like Jason Voorhees. Uh, and, and the rest of the time, which is so vapid, it's so shallow. 
there's no kills that are really that exciting or stand out. Um, God, it's just when I rewatched it, I used to always say like, you know, I think of all those, that's kind of maybe the best one in a lot of ways. It's not that bad. The remakes, you mean? Yeah, and, and then when I rewatched it, like I don't say two or three years ago, I was like, what the fuck am I thinking? <laughs> and then also the whole subplot of like the weed thing. Like, like, I get it that that was, like, a whole cultural thing at the time. You'd be like, oh, oh smoking weed. <laughs> but the fact that, like, the story begins on people trying to find this, like, patch of weed hidden out in the woods. Yeah. And then when those initial people die, the follow-up is that the next group that comes, there's a subset of people in that group that also want to find the patch of weed. <laughs> the mythical patch of yeah, weed. Yeah, like, fuck this movie, man. God damn. <laughs> it makes me mad just thinking about it. <laughs> I can tell. Okay. I'm done on that. I don't want to say anything else. All right. So my second least favorite, number 11. Number 11. Me, um, is Friday the 13th from 2009. <laughs> well, please continue where I, I left I off. I will piggyback on what you were saying. Um, you hit the nail on the head. Everything you said is absolutely correct. I do want to say one more thing. The mm-hmm. the romance they try to have between the lead chick and, and uh, Mr. Supernatural. God, they have zero fucking chemistry. No chemistry. Yeah. No. Ke- and it's that tired trope <laughs> of the hot chick with the hot jerky boyfriend. Yeah. Ugh, fuck. Can we can we retire that? I mean, and she puts up with this shit. And it's like, why are you putting up with this shit? You could yeah. have literally any man in the world you want, and you're putting up with this guy's shit? For real. What the fuck? Anyway. Please continue. Um, yeah, everything you said is absolutely correct. It's a bunch of plastic, boring characters. I mean, yeah, it's a franchise that was never about characterization. But at least a lot of the times you felt like these were real people. They had a charm to them. Yeah. Yeah, they yeah. were... These people are not real people. <laughs> they're plastic. They're, they're yeah. They're display models in a Amber Crombie store that right. got up and walked it, into exactly. the woods. Exactly. And I hate the whole the preamble of the weed thing. It's like it's like a <laughs> ten minute pre credit sequence. And yeah. It's like okay. Um, I appreciate, like you said, I kind of like how they try to wrap up like one and two, and even three kind mm-hmm. of, um, into one movie. But I. I don't like the survivalist Jason. Yeah, it's it's, it's really far. Yeah, I never considered the wrong turn angle until you've brought it up now, mm-hmm. and now, now you've got me thinking about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I guess we see him a little doing a little bit of traps in the second one. Yeah, but the problem with me with this Jason portrayal of Jason, and nothing against Derek Mears because I love Derek Mears. Mm. I think he's a great guy. The, physically, the look, the build, like all of that's he's great. He's a great. He's yeah. a great Jason mm-hmm. as far as look goes. As written, not so much. Because I don't like... He has these long, drawn-out, brutal murders. Mm-hmm. And they try to justify this at one point. as Oh, he's trying to draw us out. And I'm like, no, Jason's quick. Yeah. You know, he, he's quick, he's brutal, he gets the job done, and he moves on. Uh, it, it never felt like Jason. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, don't, I can't even remember one kill in this movie, really. Nothing's memorable. Nope. With all of our modern special effects, they couldn't come up with something memorable. <laughs> the, the thing you remember is the purple, perfect nipple placement. Yeah. That's what you remember. That's really the one takeaway. If I have to say, like, what, what's the first thing you remember from this movie? Yeah. Yeah. And the dude's perfect girl scream. <laughs> that, that, that you remember. But it's just a boring, shallow, weak... And that ending irritates the piss out of me. Oh, let's throw the body of the serial killer in this lake. We don't want to show it to the authorities and say, hey, this is the guy that's been killing everyone. Let's get rid of it so we can't do that. And that fucking telegraphed ending when he burst up to the dock. It was made for babies. This movie was made for babies who have never seen a Friday the 13th movie ever. I think to me, in a lot of ways, that film is like 
anyone that is critical of the franchise, that film is like how they see every yeah. film yep. being. Right. Um, and they, they can't like look past it to see anything that we see that we see like, oh, I value this about it. Mm-hmm. That's like, I don't know, it's the, it's the stereotype personified. Yeah. It's, it's the movie terrible. made by a committee. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what it is. All right. So your number. All right, my number 11. 11. Uh, and I think here's where we're going to start getting some pain points. Because right, uh, I know you're a little more fond of this one than me. Number 11 for me is Jason X. We're going to space. Um, <laughs> it's a funny movie. It's a goofy movie. It's yeah. got a lot of parts yeah. I love. I love the frozen face smash. Mm-hmm. I love the um, holodeck crystal lake part. Um, some of the ideas are kind of cool. I think that like it became a thing, right? Of like horror franchises. Once they go so long, you got to go to space, right? We had Leprechaun in space. Uh, Hellraiser went to space. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, a lot of times, like they don't even really use the space angle that well. So I, I do appreciate that this one tried to you know kind of kind of lean into that. You've got you know again the hollow deck. Um, you've got a lot of sci-fi concepts. Um, Uber Jason is awesome looking. And I like that idea of, like, how can we up the ante? Let's shove him full of, like, cyborg tech and stuff in the future. Um, but, again, the characters are shallow. They're obnoxious. There's no real plot going on. It seems really, like, haphazardly stupid. They even <laughs> awaken Jason in the first place. Um, and I don't want to rag on this too much, but I hate the, like, android character that they have in their group. This is the one that like goes toe to toe with him. Yeah, KM K- or something like that. She just, I don't know, rubs me the wrong way completely. The her character, the way she acts, the way she's portrayed, everything about it. No slight on the actress. I don't think it's her fault. I think it's the way they they scripted it and directed her, but uh, I, I I'm getting a headache now. I was just thinking about <laughs> that character speaking and the even when she starts to fight too, and they try to have her be like She's lithe and fast, but she also kind of like snaps too, you know? Yeah, yeah. Ah, they wanted to be like Neo or something. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Not a fan. Valid complaints. I, I will take this opportunity to correct a terrible wrong. Okay. One of my honorable mentions should have been the girl who played Janessa in Jason X. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, Melissa Aid, I guess her name is. Mm-hmm. Cute as a button. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I read that terrible wrong. <laughs> Glad you got that in before we stopped. Thank you. Uh, so now this is your number 10. Number 10 yeah. for me. <clears throat> Friday the 13th, part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan from 1989. <sighs> okay. I loathe this movie. <laughs> I loathe it. There are a few things that make it watchable. That's King Hodder, as always. Um, he's still kind of has that same superficial look from part seven mm-hmm. I, I hate the reveal of his face though <laughs> I hate it. I like the concept like you say he's like bloated and mushy and like a waterlogged corpse mm-hmm. but the execution sucks um toxic waste in the yeah. sewers what the fuck this has the same problem for me that like the remake does mm-hmm. I don't care about any of the characters I don't like any of them this is when they really started to get bland and boring and they were running out of archetypes. Mm. The whole ghost baby Jason in the water. Oh, the or fuck? is it a ghost? Whatever. I don't care. It's it's <laughs> awful. It's stupid. Him turning into a kid at the end. The fuck? The literal fuck? For real. Give us a sequel to that. <laughs> that would have been more interesting than what we got. Um, 
uh, what else can I say about the, Kelly Hugh is one of the good things I can say about this movie mm-hmm. I've already praised her death scene um, yeah it's just a stupid stupid movie uh, the fact that they've I guess Crystal Lake empties out into the Atlantic so they can get to New York okay sure whatever um, most of the class and crew disappear from this big ship <laughs> where do they go uh, it's just it's bad it's really bad the, the scenes of of Jason they shot actually in New York and Times Square is fun like but there's you, not a lot of it. That, not, that's a criticism I will give. For right, it. and that's yeah. When he kicks the punk stereo and all that, that's fantastic. I like. I love pissed off King Hotter because that seems like something. You know, he's just <laughs> he's not going to stop and kill the punks, but he's just going to kick their stereo. <laughs> but oh god, it's just it's a bad movie. It's just you can really tell that the franchise was just on fumes at this point. <laughs> Okay. Okay. What is your number 10? Uh, my number 10. I'm kind of going to make your same argument in some degree, but I'm going to move it back a film to part seven, The New Blood. Okay. I think this is where they kind of started going off the rails as far as having like the cookie cutter characters and stuff, other than the lead, who has an interesting backstory. But we also have this weird, let's throw in Carrie to the plot right. and make her a psychic kid. And. It's one of those movies, like, I barely remember anything other than some of the iconic parts, like the sleeping bag kill or, like, uh, the Jason face reveal. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of it, I'm just like, I don't remember what happens. There, there's, like, a therapist that's trying to treat the psychic chick, and mm-hmm. he's, like, malicious, kind of, but not, but yes. And then there's just some other asshole kids there for some reason. And um, and I really hate that ending of, like, we're... I mean, okay, we've already accepted that there's a zombie Jason. Mm-hmm. That's okay. And then now we've accepted that psychic powers exist because they, they very clearly exist okay. from this film. And then the conclusion is that she, like, raises her dad from the dead to save her. Who looks fine. And who, He's a little dirty, but he looks yeah, fine. Yeah, he looks fine. And he fights off zombie Jason, and I'm just like, no, what the fuck are you doing, man? <laughs> like, holy shit. That's why, like, when I got to eight, I was like, okay, I'm okay with all of this at this point. <laughs> why the fuck not? Why the fuck not at this point? Like, really? Oh, okay, he's body swapping now? Sure, why not? <laughs> like, like this is where it broke for me, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's like it's an awesome Jason. Hotter is amazing. It's a great look. Fucking love those chains around the neck, man. Just, ooh, it's yeah, yeah. very imposing. But I just hate to watch the film. I can watch like a five-minute supercut, and I am good. <laughs> and I, I rarely want to revisit this one. Mm-hmm. Even even when I pick a bad one to revisit, it's usually not this one. Yeah. Right. Okay. And that's ten for me. All right. So number well, nine. Number nine for me is Friday the 13th, Part 7, The New Blood. <laughs> 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 but you hit the nail on the head. This is when the series... Ran out of gas. Mm-hmm. This is when it became artistically bankrupt. Right, because at this point, they're just like, what gimmick can we throw in to yes. make a film? Outside of Tina, there is not one memorable character mm-hmm. in the entire movie. You're absolutely right. Um, it's bloodless. Oh, yeah, the whole censorship thing started yeah. to weigh in at and, this point. And, and John Carl Beekler, who's a good effects artist, did this movie, and it should have been one of the best. And if they had kept the kills in, mm-hmm. this movie would be rated higher. I think so, yeah. But... It is so bloodless and so boring. You're, you're right, dude. The only thing that keeps this from being lower on my list 
is the last 15 minutes. Because mm. those last 15 minutes fucking rock. The whole yeah. fight with Tina and Jason yeah. is amazing. The mask reveal is an all-time classic. I love the scene where she has the light come down, hits him in the mask, he falls, goes to the floor. That great uh, fucking fire stunt that Yo, Kane yeah. Hodder does. It's amazing. The makeup is incredible. He's the man when it comes to fire stunts. Yes. Uh, that house blowing up that they had packed too much explosives into, and you can tell. <laughs> they were lucky to get like three seconds of footage because it melted the cameras. Uh, I, I, the ending is kind of undermined by the whole zombie dad thing. Yeah. Have you it's seen the weird. makeup that they originally had where he was actually kind of decayed and zombified? Yeah, I think that would make it a little more effective. It would have been better, but still stupid. You're right. Because mm-hmm. with all her power, she should have done something else to Jason. Yeah, it should have been her that actually defeated him. Yeah, have the ground swallow him or something. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of like what they did at the end of... Or Post like Hell. have her like call up the chains again and like wrap him up. Yeah. and They, they could have done anything, but that... And, and it's like, oh, I can't kill him, so I'm going to like seal him away again or something. Yeah. Um, but you're right. I can't remember one other character in that entire movie. They're all no. just they're all just recycled archetypes. Even though there are characters I like less, I at least remember those characters because exactly. I don't I don't like yeah. them. At least you remember Shelley. Um, yeah, they're all completely interchangeable and cardboard. And uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just a very. <laughs> if it wasn't for that last fifteen ten minutes, this would just be a completely forgotten movie. And Kane Hodder's performance. Mm-hmm. He's great. And again, that's why I say it's so sad that he is like arguably the best Jason, but then... In the worst movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah it's not It's not fair. And it, it, Freddy versus Jason should have been his time to shine. Absolutely. But, that should have been his redeeming, but no. I gotta have the eyes. Redemption. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. We are at your 10? Uh, it's my number nine. Your number nine. Yep. Uh, my number nine, as this might piss some people off, no, perhaps, no. but... Uh, I'm going to swing to an early film in the franchise and go with Friday the 13th, part 3D. Okay. The third entry in the film, iconic because it is when we obtain the hockey mask, for sure. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to say that it's got some cool characters. It's got some neat ideas. I like Chris a lot, the lead. Okay. I think she's a good uh, final girl. Dana Kimmel. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, I like the look of Jason. Look cleaner than part four, but it's a good look. Mm -hmm. It's good enough to carry on in the next film. Sure. Um, but man, like, okay, so they wanted to do the 3D thing mm-hmm. and it, it colors a lot of the kills in a way that makes them like not that good. <laughs> You're not wrong. Um, they really just existed for the gimmick and now we exist in a time where we can't really appreciate that gimmick and, and sure you can, you can get the little like shitty glasses and throw on mm-hmm. if you've got the 3D version and <sighs> you don't want to sit there and watch that that way, you know, it's, and I, I want to say this was. Was the it, goggles, they do nothing. <laughs> it was uh, two or three years ago. We had a little Friday the 13th gathering. And I don't know why, but it was decided that we were going to watch this one. And the whole fucking time I sat there, I was like, why the fuck are we watching this one out of all the films in the franchise? And I think you even said, like, well, I don't know. Maybe we'll feel different about it this time. <laughs> or, I don't know. Maybe you'll change your mind. Maybe, maybe I know you like this one more than me, but still, man, fuck. <laughs> And then, and then what so else? So you're saying you don't want to watch it this year? Is that what you're <laughs> I saying? would prefer to watch another one, <laughs> perhaps. Um, and yeah, like, what else? You've got. Um, I mean, I've already complained about it in some ways from some of my earlier comments, right? Like uh, with Shelley, yes, and such. Um, that whole thing is obnoxious. And there's a weird thing with Chris and her love interest too that bothers me a lot, where he's like very rapey. 
Like, their whole plot of their story is that, like, they're out there, and he's missed her, and he's like, oh, let's have sex right now, and she's, like, dealing with some stuff, and <laughs> and he, he's just, again, he's just very rapey, and yeah. they never really address that, I don't think. Mm. It's kind of just there, and... He also looks a lot older than her. <laughs> very, very much older than her. And there's some weirdness, too, where I don't know if you know how much you've ever looked into, like, earlier versions of the script and stuff, but there was an earlier idea that... It was supposed to be, like, she's got this trauma, right, where she, like, encountered Jason before. She, she was attacked by Jason. She was attacked by Jason. And apparently in an earlier script, it was supposed to be she was raped yeah. by Jason, that, which is... That is kind of implied. Implied, but, but not clearly you know, stated. And I don't know how I feel about that. Jason's and M.O. It feels very far afield. I've never liked that about it. And, uh... Uh, again with the kills like I don't think there's many memorable ones most of them are the 3D gimmicks and I guess if you like that like I see a lot of people really praise the um, the harpoon kill and I, I think it's so fucking cheesy dude it just does nothing for me man it's just complete turn off alright okay. I'm, I'm just sitting there flaccid you know I'm sitting sitting beside you and I'm flaccid and I'm like why are we watching this Jason is anyone, is anyone else hard because I'm not there's hard. not even any hunky boys in this movie there's no hunky boys there's some cute girls but yeah Although I do think this is one of the ones that has the fewer hotness. The hot the hot rating yeah. of this movie is low. Especially between two and four. Yeah. You're at the peak in those, and then you, you shift to this. And... Three is definitely the volley. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I do want to say the kill of Jason is kind of cool. I like that they hang him in the barn, and that he actually struggles for a while to try to get down. Mm-hmm. And, and the axe in the head's cool. Yeah, the axe in the head. Uh, that's cool. But it, it, it's not the worst. It's got some redeemable things. Um it's one of those ones I would prefer to never watch again, to be honest. But wow, okay. um, I will accept it at times. All right. Well, I will retort later. <laughs> sure. So this is your number eight. Number eight. My number eight is Freddy versus Jason from 2003. Oh, I want to cut in real quick to say my number eight is also Freddy versus Jason. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> we finally had. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, <clears throat> but you please go first. Okay. There's a lot wrong with this movie. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot wrong with this movie. Um, you know, Jason's afraid of water. And so... <laughs> yeah, and the screenwriters in the interview, they were like, okay, that was not our idea. Someone else put that in. And I'm like... Who? Who, who, who gave that the okay? <laughs> um, it's a mess. Uh, it, it seemed like ever since the end of part nine, Jason goes to hell, they had to they, do a they Freddy versus it. Jason. Yeah. And that was a great teaser at the end of that. It brought the house down when I saw the movie. Oh, yeah. Um, one of the very few highlights of that movie. <laughs> um, so it was inevitable. But, right, not casting Kane Hodder. Huge mistake. And it's not to say that the dude's bad. I like Ken Kurtzinger, and he has a cool look. You know, but... Other than the eyes. I don't need the eyes. I don't need the I emotion. Don't, I don't need the eyes. Yeah. Um, and it's fantastic to see Robert England play Freddy one more time. Mm-hmm. Although I have issue with his makeup. I don't like that demonic look they gave him. Yeah, it's not the best. Um, but it's still Robert England playing Freddy. So all is right in the world, you know? God, it should have been Kane, man. I know. The two of I them. Know. I know. Finally off. squaring off. Yeah. How awesome would that have been? Uh, the cast is obnoxious. So obnoxious. <laughs> Although Monica Keenan is pretty cute. She, should, she probably should have been on my runner up list. Mm. Um. But they're, they're, this is where we get to that whole plastic CW yeah. kind of cute, pretty thing where they're just sort of like, yeah, blandly model mm-hmm. attractive or whatever. Yeah, because really in those early ones, like there's a natural element to them. Yes. 
still. They look earthy, mm-hmm. you know. But now they're looking like Abercrombie and French models, like we said. Um, the, the the plot is bonkers. I, I like the basic conceit. I like oh, yeah. the idea that Freddy is like, okay, we're gonna, I'm gonna send Jason out of hell. He's gonna go kill in my name, make me stronger. That's kind of cool. Yeah, I like that they bring back the whole hypnosil thing or whatever it was called. The yeah, drug. to stay awake. And I like that idea, even that like kind of Freddy's powers that people know his story. Right. And so it, yeah. the status quo of the start of the film is like I have to get my story yeah. spread again. People need to be afraid of me so I can gain in power. That's mm. cool. I like that. That's awesome. And the fact that Jason just can't stop killing <laughs> and it pisses Freddy off. Uh, that's fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, their, their fight is cartoonish and stupid, but also kind of ridiculously fun. Mm-hmm. I can't hate on that too much. Uh, it, hiring Ronnie Yu, who is a great visual director. Mm-hmm. I mean, Bride with the White Hair, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, he, just, he was the wrong choice. I think they needed someone who was really steeped in Friday Thirteenth lore. You need I've never seen Friday Thirteenth yeah. movie. You know, you really needed a fan of both franchises. I think to yes. like, and that's part of the yes. thing is like you said, this one's much more a Friday the Thirteenth film than a mm-hmm. Nightmare on Elm Street film. Yeah, and I think the right person that could really respect both properties could have like could have blended those more. Maybe right. Uh, there's not really any memorable kills outside of the rave for me. I guess the bed kill is kind of cool. Yeah. But we've already seen Jason fill people in half before. So, kind of been there, done that. At the end of the day, it's just a, a weak, flaccid <laughs> cash in, really. It made Buku bucks, though. It made a ton of dough. Oh, yeah. It was very, very financially successful. It, it's and kind of surprising it didn't have more sequels. Well, after it sparked this. the sequel that never was That's, Freddy versus oh, Jason versus Ash. Ash. Yeah. Yeah. The, the famous story with that is that the um, people that owned each property couldn't agree about who was supposed to win in the end, which I think is just so stupid because obviously Ash should win. He's the heroic character. Ash should win, but also like wind up in a bad spot at the end, like mm-hmm. he always does. Yeah, and you should still have the outs of like maybe he wins, but then there's still a thing like, oh, maybe Jason's still alive. Yeah, there's some threat. There. Oh, Freddy's still in the dream dimension. Yeah, he and said the wrong words again. He'll come back again. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, Ash is screwed over somehow in the end. And what's with that? Stoner J character. Yeah. <laughs> what? Uh, that's just an of the time <laughs> thing, you know, I think. Get the stoner character. There's even that great, I think it's a Never Sleep Again, where they're yeah. interviewing all the cast members. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Jason Mewes comes in and says, Yeah, it was really exciting for me being in that. Wait a minute, I wasn't in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, so that is my take on Freddy versus Jason. I don't have a lot to add. I agree with everything you've said. Yeah. Um, I guess I'll use this time to say that that whole idea, the the Freddy versus Jason versus Ash, that got made as a comic, actually. Mm-hmm. And that is out there, and you can go check it out. Allegedly, it's pretty much kind of the idea they had to run with for a script. Um, it's fun. It's really fun. It, it blends in, like, all the Deadite stuff well, and okay. mix, it blends the lore of all three nicely. Okay. Um, it's fun. Um, but, yeah, it's Freddy versus Jason. Love Catherine Isabel. Glad she's in there. Yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, you've probably seen all of the documentaries to get this trivia, but I always think it's funny that um, she's got the shower scene, but it's a body double mm-hmm. because she had in her contract that she wouldn't do any nudity in the film. Right. And then they were kind of weird and like forceful about it, and then they just had to do a body double instead. Yeah, that's never cool. Yeah, uh, not cool. Um, hey, it's Freddy versus Jason. It's, <laughs> it's a wonder it even got made, I guess. That's like a marvel unto itself. That it yeah. exists the way it does. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's 
what it could have been compared to what it is. You you always think about that. I think when you watch it, it's pure cartoon. Um, I will say it is highly watchable. It is one I rewatch a lot, especially if it's like on TV or something, and I catch it. I'm just like, hey, what the I fuck? I tend oh. not to rewatch this one. Hmm. Yeah, I'll, I'll go for this one well before, like the remake or Jason X or any any of the ones I ranked lower. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're probably not wrong about that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, that brings you to seven. Number seven. Lucky number seven. Uh, My seventh, actually, and this might be blasphemy to some, but it's the original Friday 13th from 1980. Oh, wow. Okay, wow. Um, Only because... It is so different from the rest. It is different, and and it's a good movie. I do like it. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, it set the standard for a Friday 13th movie. But and for it, summer camp, yeah, slashers. it wasn't terribly original. I mean, I mean, Sean Cunningham has made no bones about let's rip off Halloween, you know, and a bit of blood, and a bit of blood. <laughs> um, I think what keeps this from being a real classic for me is there's long stretches where it's kind of dull, mm-hmm. um, and there's probably people younger than us that think all these movies are dull. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, but it's hard for me to really formulate why this isn't higher on my list. I think I like the whole mystery aspect, but it's also horribly unfair because we never meet Pamela until the very end. Yeah, there's no uh, way to guess the killer, I guess. She should have been introduced earlier mm. so we could have actually have guessed the killer. And that's where, you know, Slashers kind of grew out of the Giallo genre we've talked about that before but mm-hmm. like that's where this one kind of gets it wrong where it's still trying to have the murder mystery but it doesn't right it doesn't know how to do yeah. a mystery and I love Pamela Voorhees she's great um, which it could have been easy too to insert her early yeah, on anywhere. and be like oh yeah she's going to be the cook she's yeah. local yeah she could have been dropping off supplies or bringing in food or she could have been at the diner mm-hmm. anything because um, I think really you just want more of her in general in the film right she's so such a commanding performance Yes. Uh, I like Adrienne King. Mm-hmm. She's a good final girl. I like her fight with, with Pamela. Uh, of course, Kevin Bacon already at this time, you could tell he was going to go on to bigger <laughs> things. Oh, yeah. Everyone else kind of falls flat. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just sort of a... Uh, it's like there were better movies that were kind of doing the same thing at the time. There mm-hmm. was just something about this one that really struck a chord with people hmm. um, so then it, you know it became what it is you know but I don't know there's something about this that keeps it from being higher on my list okay well uh, you know write in let us know if Jason gets his like film <laughs> person card revoked he didn't put uh, the original film in the top five even yeah okay okay so what is your number seven? Uh, my number seven is part eight, Jason Takes Manhattan. <laughs> oh, man. I, I ironically, that is way too high on your list. I ironically love this movie. I think it's so it's so goofity. It's so like where seven stumbles, I think this one kind of jogs along because it embraces the fact that it realizes that we're this deep in and it's kind of dumb and let's just run with it. Um, now, it's not perfect by, by any means. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there really should have been more of the Manhattan part. I think everyone knows that there should have been more of the Manhattan part because they're on that boat for a real long time. Yeah, sure. And um, they're in Manhattan for real brief, and then they're in some uh, backlot alleyways. In Vancouver. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, but, but again, like you said earlier, like the actual parts in Manhattan, man, they look so good and it's so iconic. And mm-hmm. the interactions of him kicking the stereo and yeah. just staring down those kids, man, like it's so someone's good. trying to kill us. Welcome to New York. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I like Kelly. You, I think we've already talked about mm-hmm. that, but I, it needs to be stated again. Yes. Um, I want to give a shout out to a random side actor in this film. You're not even going to remember the character probably, but um, it's Miles Wolf played by Gordon Curry. Now he is kind of like the th- third tier of the teens that aren't like barely focused on. Uh, he's wearing blue. He's got bl- short blonde hair. Yeah, it's not. He's in it for a second. Um, I fucking love him because he is in the Puppet Master franchise in part four and five. He plays um, uh, Rick, who goes on to become the like successor to Andre Toulon, and he's the new Puppet Master, who like actually guides the puppets to do good and and oppose evil. Mm -hmm. Um, So it always makes me smile when I see him for like two seconds in this movie, and I'm like, my man, you're one of the Puppet Masters, and you're in a Friday the Thirteenth film. You're doing pretty good for yourself. You're going to make me watch all those movies one day, aren't you? We are, yeah. <laughs> At some point when we're totally creatively bankrupt <laughs> and all we do is just do like every film in a series back to back. Yes, one of those will be Puppet Master. And you will be, you'll be forced to deal with it. Um, I want to say there's some weirdness in this movie too that, well, of course there is. <laughs> weirdness in part eight? Uh, weirdness that I feel weird about. Um, there's the whole like weird subplot when they get into Manhattan where like there's the, the gang members that try to like harass them mm-hmm. for a bit. And there's the whole part where they abduct the leading lady and they like forcefully inject her with heroin. <laughs> that always really disturbed me when I first saw the film and I'm not sure why. It just like really bothered me that like the idea that like that could happen. That you could just be somewhere and get abducted, and then they like shoot you up like that. And I always thought that was really, really disturbing. Okay. I don't know. Just a little random child thought for you there. Yeah. Um, I actually love the look of Jason in this one. I love how wet he is. I love how soggy and sloppy he is. Yeah. Anything he touches, there's just like slime. <laughs> He's full on gross. He's so gross, so nasty. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say, I like when the mask comes off. I like that look. It's so fucking mm. weird and so fucking alien. I think it's mm. cool, dude. Just like lean into it. Mm. Um, and I like that the ending is so mystifyingly like, what the fuck are they doing? <laughs> the toxic sludge floods the sewers. Every night at midnight. And after Jason gets enveloped in the toxic sludge, it somehow makes him mortal, but then also reverts him to a child Wearing swimming trunks. Wearing swimming trunks. <laughs> Presumably, I think the the implication is roughly when he died in Crystal Lake originally. And he's non-deformed. And he's non-deformed, because that was always a premise from the original that he was born with some sort of deformity. It's never really clearly stated. Um, yeah, so like the toxic sludge healed Jason <laughs> and reverted him. And the end of the movie is that our, our surviving guy and gal have a child-restored Jason... And they exit into the streets of Manhattan. They leave him laying there in the sewers. Well, I thought they pick him up and take no, him out. No, no, they, they leave, leave him, him there. Hmm. Maybe I'm a little fuzzy on that, but <laughs> I just feel like where is the sequel to this film? I want a movie where you've got the child Jason who's been restored, and they're like studying him, and it's like, is he gonna become the killer Jason or not? And then, like, what is his memory? Does he remember everything that he did? Does he remember that fucking psychics exist? And that a chick summoned her dad out of the lake? Man, that was really fucking weird. And, um, yeah, like, 
I always love when a horror franchise goes on too long and then at some point they decide to take a big swing. And, and you know this and you and I disagree about this, but like I fucking love Curse of Michael Myers and the Thorn Cult shit. I love um, Texas Chainsaw that it did the whole weird like we're going to shit on Rebootquels, Rebootquel. Um, what else? Like um, I actually think the Nightmare on Elm Street remake is kind of good in some ways. I think it has some things I really appreciate about it quite a bit. There's like two things I appreciate. Um, so I, I like when a horror franchise is like, you know what? We're tired and we've gone on too long. Let's do something really crazy and just just do it because why not? <laughs> what, we've done everything else that's logical at this point, so let's just get weird. Um, okay. So yeah, that that if, if I could have a sequel to the to any of the films in this franchise, I want a sequel to Part Eight that's about the restored child Jason. And where does that go? I don't think we're ever going to get that. Maybe that's a comic. <laughs> Maybe that's a young adult novel. Yeah, it's The Adventures of Young Jason. <laughs> okay, that brings us to your number six. Oh, it seems like we've had um, a little little numbering problem there, here. There has been a clerical error. <laughs> and um, there's been a revote, a, a recount. Um, I fucked up. Uh, I skipped ahead one. Jason can't count to 12. All right, fuck up. I already talked about Friday Thirteenth, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that is my number six pick. Oh. I, I should have talked about my number seven before. Oh. So I'm going to backtrack. Okay, let's backtrack. So this one I like less than the original Friday Thirteenth. Okay, and that film is Jason X from 2001. Mm. See, I thought my man was going places. I was like, oh, you're going to put that above? No, I do not. I do not put that above the original. Okay. I'm not that much of. A, <laughs> no. Uh, Jason X, uh, crazy movie, crazy concept. Um, everything you said about it mm-hmm. is true. It holds. It's like, let's just shoot him into space, whatever. Um, I love the beginning though, when they're studying him. Yeah. You know, that's fun. And you get the great David Cronenberg cameo. Oh yeah. I should have mentioned that. It's fantastic. Yeah. And he even gets death scene with that spear. <laughs> uh, and he's cryogenically frozen. Cool. I like the setup. I buy this. This works for me. Uh, then we skip ahead. Okay, right. It's this class who's on this ship. But yeah. they also have like armed rings on the ship. It's like they wanted like the the aliens. Yeah, they wanted vibe. to be at school, but they also wanted to be aliens. Yeah. Yeah. And it would have been much, much scarier if it was more like the original alien. And it mm-hmm. was just like, you know, space travel so routine. It is just a school trip. Mm-hmm. It's just a shuttle full of kids. And there's no weapons. That would have been cool. Um, then because the whole space marine thing is my least favorite aspect of this movie. Yeah. Um, I like the idea that they're taking a field trip to Earth, and it's like a desolate, irradiated <laughs> wasteland. And even frozen, Jason's a threat because he falls out of the cryo chamber and cuts off the dude's arm. That's amazing. That is a funny kill. Um, I like Kane Hodder's performance as always. Uh. When he becomes Uber Jason, that's good fun. You're right about KM or whatever her name was. I don't Android's remember her annoying. name. Yeah. Most of the cast are annoying. And see, that's the thing, too, is then, like, Uber Jason ups the threat, but then you immediately have someone that can... They upgrade her, and then she can stand toe-to-toe, and it's like... Yeah, right. Come on, dude. Um, I mentioned Janessa already. Mm. Well, right at that wrong. Ones. Yes. Um, 
the kills, the the the, the, the uh, you know frozen face kill. That's great. That's classic. Mm-hmm. A lot of the others are pretty forgetful. I, I do love when he tries to kill the holograms. Oh no, that's a classic scene. When he, when he's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just a classic fucking scene. That, that's how you do self-referential right. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's like they were as- accessing the old historical databases. And, <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, it's a goofy, fun movie. I can't take it seriously. I can't hate it because it is so goofy and fun. Um, it's not one I watch a lot, but sort of like you said with Freddy vs. Jason, mm-hmm. if this is on, I'll probably stop and watch it. You know. <laughs> okay, that's sure. Um, so yeah, it's t- to me, it's just good, goofy, old-fashioned, let's send the monster to space fun. Okay. And so to reset our rankings here, that was Jason My- X... Seven for you. Seven for me. And then six for you is the original Friday the 13th. Yes. Which now brings me to my six. Yes. Which is... I'm sorry, I can't count. Number five, A New Beginning. Okay. Um, I actually like this one quite a lot. I feel it gets unfairly maligned often because it's, oh, it's not Jason, it's a copycat. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, what were you going to do? You killed Jason and you can't just bring him back from that. So you got to pivot some way and then, you know, six, they decided, okay, let's bring him back from the dead, which is one way. But I kind of like the idea that they go into this whole, um, like there's a copycat and the dealing with the trauma that Tommy has from everything that he went through. Cause the end of four is pretty brutal. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. There is that cutscene that actually shows you, but um, it's implied that his mom gets killed. Yes. Right. Yes. Uh, there's a deleted scene that actually shows her like the aftermath of it. It's pretty gnarly. Yeah, there's an alternate ending where she's like in the bathtub and her yeah. eyes are all white, just like from Joseph Zito's The Prowler. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so it's interesting to have, you know, um, other films did this too, right? Because we have the whole like um, Jamie Lloyd subplot in Halloween. And it's like, mm-hmm. is she going to be yeah, the, next killer. the next killer or not? And so they're doing the same thing with Tommy. So I, I like that. I like that angle. Um, I like that it's a home for troubled teens. I thought that was a cool hook. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like that they set up a good like murder mystery. Um, this one is probably the most Giali esque, I would say, of them. Um, though it does still make the crime of like there's really no way you could guess that no. that's the killer because you don't even recognize Roy at the end. Yeah, you don't even recognize is Roy, and, and the crux of it is that you know one of the kids is his, and you don't get that info until the reveal. So there's no you you would never guess it. It's impossible to guess. Right. Um, and then I love Demon. He's so amazing. Um, so Damn, to be just a little side character that's like just you know he's there to die, but it's like he he makes such an impact and he's so charming. Yeah, Miguel Nunez is fantastic. Yeah, he's just amazing in every film he's in. But um, to have such a small role here, he leaves such a big impact on your heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's fun. I kind of like too even the look of the hockey mask that they make it be like kind of the green, the teal, mm-hmm. uh, face paint instead of the normal like red look. Right. Um, that, that's already like your tip off that, you know, this is someone else. Um, some of the ideas are interesting too, as well, that like the one kid like loses his cool and kills another one. Mm-hmm. And that kind of sets off the chain of events for everything. Um, and then that ending too, that it kind of teases the, okay, you know, Tommy's going to be the killer now. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that's a really like bleak, harsh ending. Yeah. Especially cause, um, Ooh, I can't think of her name. Is it, is it Pam? Yes. Yes. Um, so it's like uh, Pam, like the counselor that's there, like, helping all of them. She has a really cool character and she's very like, I like how tender she is with everyone. And like, she's very caring. 
Mm-hmm. Um, she's got a great scream, by the way, too. The, yes. the final act when she's just like in the rain, like howling her lungs out. Mm-hmm. Um, so then it's no Linda Day George from Pieces, but it's still no. pretty good. Uh, she goes for it though, and so um, then they have that ending where like Tommy kind of flips and kills her. That's like pretty harsh. Really, really sticks Maybe with you. Maybe he kills her. Maybe he it's, kills her. It, yeah. uh, very harsh, and and the um, the little kid demons. Uh, Reggie the Reckless. Yeah, Reggie the Reckless. Um, often don't like kid characters in films like this, but I think he is... He's balanced in a way where he gets to be like a kid and be goofy, but he is also serious and has like some grounding to him mm-hmm. uh, that I like a lot. And I like the way that he and Tommy kind of bond over the mask making. And I also even like that that's a whole angle at all that he's interested in mask making. And that's kind of like... That's like an outlet for him to process his trauma mm. from Jason. In a way. Right. And I like how, like, uh, he's, he, it, does have an interesting relationship between the two of them that he, like, tries to scare them, and then they kind of make this, like, little mm-hmm. friendship between them. Yeah. So it's one of those ones, like, I'll always watch this if it pops up. Like, it's just, it's so it's such an easy watch, such a fun watch. And, and yeah, the characters are maybe a little, like, stereotypical, but I also think they're so exaggerated. That's part of the fun. Like, like the angry guy, just, like, him chopping the wood... <laughs> and just like yeah. every little thing is like busting his balls. Yeah, yeah. that's going on. And the Shelly wannabe with the chocolate bar. Yeah, and everything. And it's just how exaggerated he's like. Well, fine, I won't give you my chocolate bar. <laughs> was just, oh, I was just trying to be nice to you. Uh, and and then yeah, like the hillbilly family too, like that whole subplot. And um, yeah, it's just shut up, you dildo. <laughs> it, it's so ridiculous and so weird, but it's so fun, and that's that's why I always go back to it and have a lot of fond memories of it. All right, fair enough. So that brings us... Number five. To number five. And I, can, I can count now. We're on track and we're running good. Yes. You're number five. My number five is actually Friday 13th 3D from 1982. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, I put this above the original. <laughs> wow. Uh, only because I find it... Now, I, I must say Hold on. that... Before you continue, I'm going to give you one chance to retract this. Are you sure you want me to put this in the show notes this way? I'm sure. Okay. Continue. All right. Um, <laughs> the one thing I did not praise about the original Friday Thirteenth I should have was the effects work Tom Savini. Oh, yeah, let, let's let's face it, that's the reason this movie was so successful. Mm-hmm. Tom Savini had everything to do with that. Um, now, part three, of course, does not have Tom Savini, <laughs> and as you pointed out earlier, it has probably some of the worst effects mm-hmm. because of the whole three D gimmick. They were more concerned about how they had to line up the cameras than they were about executing a good effect. Although it does have one of my favorite kills with the guy getting cut in half. Fucking awesome. Uh, why this rates higher than maybe it should? <laughs> I just, I find this one infinitely rewatchable. Really? I don't know why. I don't... It's almost... I don't I don't know why. <laughs> maybe, I, maybe I like to torture myself. The, the, the 3D aspect makes it I know, it so... I was tortured when we watched it. <laughs> the 3D aspect is so goofy... It, it makes it funny. This is a great beer movie. Now, if you've had a few and you're snacking on some pizza or something, which is probably why I popped this one in. I probably had a few drinks at the time. So that's what I was missing. Then. <laughs> yes, okay. that's what you were missing. I'll remedy that next time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Give me a heads up if that's our pick for this month to okay, watch. We'll do. Um, it won't be. But oh, okay. thank God. <laughs> um, <laughs> it has... Uh, it has some good kills. 
I think this has some decent kills. I like it when the biker gets his hand chopped off. That's awesome. You even bringing up the bikers. That I have to add a thing for mine. I'm just going to cut it in here. Uh-huh. Um, the whole idea that those bikers are so pissed off they follow them back to the farm to try to kill them is like... Well, they didn't try to kill them. They were going to take their gas. They were taking their I, gas I to fuck them up. Oh, they want to set the barn on fire. Yeah. Yeah, they want to set the barn on fire. Uh, they weren't going to kill them. That that would be too much. I they were just going to commit some arson. I still think that's just, man, so dumb. I mean, he did wreck your bikes. And if there's anything I know from watching movies all my life is that you don't wreck <laughs> bikers' bikes, you know? But please continue. Okay. Um, yeah, it's just goofy and stupid. But the sort of like with uh, part seven, I really love the final act here. Uh, once Jason gets the mask, I mean, it's just instant iconography right there, you know? And I love his fight with Dana Kimmel at the end. Mm. Um, yeah, the way he gets hanged, the axe through the head. Um, and to this day, I still find this visual very creepy is when she's out on the canoe and everything, mm-hmm. but he appears in the window. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he, you know, it shows his face, his mask is off, and he's bleeding, and he looks just horrendous. Mm-hmm. And the way... Who played it in this role? I can't remember who played it in this movie. But the way it's played, it, it, that, that sort of, like, eager, creepy... Like, he's, like, pawing at the window, mm-hmm. trying to get to her. And he starts running down, and, and she's freaking out. That, uh, Richard Brooker. Richard Brooker. I knew that. Uh, the way Richard Brooker plays the character is... Isn't he the one in 4 as well? Uh, Ted White's in 4. Oh, no. He's in 4, though, for something, I think. Probably for the flashbacks. Probably oh, yeah, yeah. I that. forgot there was the flashbacks at the start. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I was thinking of. Um, and I love his look. It's just so creepy. And it makes no sense, but the ending where the mother jumps out, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> It's a nice book into the first one, anyway. So this this is what I you guess. would file as a guilty pleasure for me. Like I realize it is not a great movie. I know it has a lot of faults, but there's just something about it. I don't know what it is. I can watch this one. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, I, I respect you, sir. And hey, speaking of guilty pleasures, mm-hmm. my number five. Yes. Well, the first thing I'm going to say is that I don't believe in guilty pleasures. I think if you like something, you should just embrace it. I agree. I agree. Just own it. Yeah. I know you were just making a a reference, but um, I say this in particular because this is going to be a swing for everyone. Mm -hmm. Uh, For me, number five, a film that has rapidly climbed through the ranks for me with the passing years as I've rewatched it and revisited it, locking it in, top five, bringing the rear of it, Jason goes to hell. Now, caveat, of course, unrated cut. You gotta gotta have that to, for the for the mm-hmm. added gore and such to kind of pull it up a little bit. But sure, um, this goes back to what I was saying earlier. I love when a horror franchise goes on for a long time, and someone in the mix goes, "You know what? We just need to do something weird to make another film." And for some reason, they are allowed to do that, and it gets to happen and exists. So you know what? Sure, we have brought him back from the dead. We've introduced psychics, zombie restored dad. We've gone to Manhattan. Toxic sludge has turned him into a restored little kid. And then somehow ignoring that, he's back to being a bloated, nasty corpse thing. <laughs> the fucking explodes, by the way. Speaking, that was going to be one of my runner-ups, I think, for kills, was the death of Jason at the start of Jason Goes to Hell. When they literally, like, 
grenade his ass and like light him up with the force of a full military. It was very surprising. And he just fucking explodes into pieces everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so cool. Looks so awesome. And I even love that whole intro too, how it's like, it starts like a typical Friday the 13th film. That's very cliche and mm-hmm. very, Oh, we're at the camp. Oh, here's a sexy chick. Oh, he's going to stalk and kill her. And it's a sting operation to like draw him out to finally kill him. That's fun. That's clever. Um, that's such a fun intro. So then, after that, that's where everyone struggles because then we've got the like demon slug thing, body hopping everywhere. The hidden wannabe movie. Yes. Yeah. Um. Um. And I think it, it's improved a little better when you have that thing that they kind of wanted to do that got left out. That's like it's like they're tied up with the Evil Dead stuff. It's like oh, it's like a deadite or something like that. Um. That kind of gels it better for me. And I, I see your face, and I know that that doesn't mm-hmm. work for you at all. It does not. Um, but but I like it, and I think it's cool that they took this swing to do something really different. And tonally, I think it is super, super different from the rest of the films. And it has this almost like southern gothic vibe to it, which doesn't even really make sense because of where Crystal Lake is. But that's kind of <laughs> like the way it's shot and the, the tone it has and the feel it has. Um, and I, 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 It's weird, but I like it. And then Creighton Duke is just fucking ridiculous. <laughs> And I love that they just swoop in this like weird bounty hunter guy that knows all the lore about the Voorhees family for Somehow, no reason. And I don't know. I like to know how he knows. He's just this weird badass monster hunter that just roams roams about, breaks people's fingers um, for no good reason. And it, it is a little derivative at times. Like I feel like they were kind of trying to pull a Halloween where they wanted to be like, oh, there's this family connection that matters a lot. Um, so that that's a little weird, mm-hmm. uh, probably unnecessary. But most things in this film are unnecessary, I would say, and that's. Kind of also a thing I like about it. I like how excessive it is and that it just is overflowing with itself. <laughs> um, like a toilet bowl full of diarrhea. <laughs> one might say that, or one could say it's a, it's a cornucopia of, of diarrhea, of, of wonder and delight that's just filling your heart. Um, <laughs> no one says that. I said that just now. And it's committed to audio for forever. Um, and I, you know, I'm going to strike out against you. I think the lead guy, I think he's actually... He's a little putsy, but I think he's kind of charming, and I like him. And uh, I, I like the links that he goes throughout the film to try to try to do right by by the situation. Okay. Um, and then what else can you say? But the end is incredible when he comes back, full force, full power. We finally get more. We Jason. finally get more Jason. Just that is like peak. Like you could run that up against any other part in the franchise, and it's just ooh, it's so well. And then we get the crazy ending of you know he he gets dragged down into hell and. We get that tease of the Freddy Krueger connection. Whose hand was also played by Kane Hodder. Oh. Well, well. Mm-hmm. Saved a little money there. I didn't imagine they would drag in Robert England and not actually let him say anything. Nope. It was played by Kane Hodder. I just think it's fucking ridiculous. It's over the top. It's excessive. It tried to do a thing and it reached for it. And you know what? It did it. And I respect it so fucking much for that. And I'm going to just throw this out there at everyone listening. If it's been a few years for you, grab that unrated cut. And you know what? Sit down and just give it another go. See how you feel. Yeah, I did when the box set came out. It did not <laughs> change my mind. Now, this might make you jealous, but I did see that movie in the theater. God, I wish I could have seen it in the theaters. But, you know, I, I remember renting it for the first time, and I didn't like it the first time I saw it. Something about something about me and the years and the, the more films I've seen and the ways I've changed, I don't know. I, I appreciate it so much more now. Did you suffer a head injury somewhere along that? Time? Perhaps, perhaps. <laughs> oh, one more negative thing I do want to say about this movie. Okay, sure. I fucking hate that poster. Oh my god, I hate that poster. It's a weird poster, and it's, um, 
Yeah, it's weird. It's a bad poster. Okay. Especially when you have such a good-looking Jason that you could have... Yeah, slap that on the cover. Yeah. You know? Um, you know, like, what's the scene where it's, like, him and there's, like, the weird, like, backlighting? I think it's when he gets revived at the end. And he's, like, he's, like, there and there's, like, the weird, like, white light behind him. When the demons are coming Yeah, yeah, it's him. when the demons come for him. Yeah. That, that's a killer cover. Yeah. You want a cool cover. That, that's your cover. Yeah. That's your poster right there. Brings us to number four. Number four for me is Friday the 13th, A New Beginning mm, from 1985. Nice. Cool. Um, yeah, this is another one that I think, it, it gets shit on a lot. Yeah, so you're with me on that. I'm, I'm with you on that. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't get the negative reaction to this movie. I guess because it's not Jason, but unlike Goes to Hell, <laughs> you do at least see someone in the hockey mask killing people. Uh-huh. You know, and it, it feels like Jason. And he, he follows the Jason rule book, yeah. Mm. He walks like Jason. He acts like Jason. It may as well be Jason. <laughs> um, but you're right. The whole troubled youth home is interesting. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, Tommy Jarvis. It's cool that he's not just like a perfect hero. Right. No. He is troubled. He is. He's got that aggression. And that even know. like from the. I meant to talk about this when I was talking about this one, but the the arc of like four to five to six that he goes through as a character. I know it's kind of disjointed, but yes. it does feel like there's a progression there. Right. That's compelling for a slasher. You can squint your eyes. It works. Mm. Um, there's a lot of kills in this movie. That's one thing I'll say for it. There's no shortage of body count. Oh, yeah. Uh, plenty of boobage. You know, no problem there. <laughs> Danny Steinman's got you covered. Uh, yeah, they really turned the dials up for all the mm-hmm. kind of the slasher touch points. Yep. Um. Yeah, it's kind of a new look with Jason with the blue chevrons and the mask. Mm-hmm. And it's a nice touch when um, Tommy is seeing Jason in his mind. It's with the old mask, yeah. with the red chevrons. So that's, you know, that's the real Jason. That's kind of one of your clues, I think, that mm-hmm. it's not... Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I can't think of anything else to say too much other than, than what you said. Uh, this is just a fun movie. And it's got some fun kills. It's got Demon. Mm-hmm. It's got Reggie the Reckless. Again, this is the only <laughs> This is the only other movie with a family unit besides mm-hmm. part four. True. Unless you count Goes to Hell, which I don't. Uh, <laughs> uh, so it's one of the few times you get to see characters actually interact who mm-hmm. care about each other. <laughs> and I buy it, you know, because it's like Reggie's granddad works at the the troubled youth home. And, mm-hmm. and so they let Reggie kind of run around there a lot yeah. and Demon's um, sort of out on his own, so they're not really like always there, but it's like he pops in when he can. Yeah, right. Uh, it's fun kills. Uh, yeah, I don't know what else to say about this one. What it's more just, are you asking for? Yeah, what more do you want? <laughs> <laughs> Man, I see, sometimes I see lists and they put this like near the bottom and I get so fucking tilted. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, and I, I, and I get it. Anyone can have their own opinion and that's fine, but man, it pisses me off when people people down on this movie yeah it also inspired a really great song by a punk band called the Jasons mm. so they all wear hockey masks and stuff and most of their songs are about Friday the 13th and other <laughs> slashers but the song's called Roy's an imposter mm. <laughs> I'll throw that in the show notes <laughs> yeah it's, it's fantastic uh, nice so it's all about how a piece of shit Roy is because he's not really Jason <laughs> <laughs> that's great all right, man. What is your number four? Number four. I'm going to go with... Like, this is, we might just be like controversial people to even talk about these, but my number four is Friday the 13th, the original. Okay. 
Um, I love it. I think it's a great film. See, think, we're not too far. We're only two spaces apart on that one. Yeah, I think it's a wonderful film. It, the thing is, it is it's so different from all the rest, and there's the, the no Jason, and that's what like the franchise became. Right. And for me, like that was my introduction because I saw a later sequel first. That Friday feel wasn't there quite yet. Yeah. Um, but as just a horror film, I think it's probably one of the greatest horror films of all time. Wow. Just okay, it's high praise. Uh, really well done. Great, like you have this whole like camp when you got this legend, which then of course they use that to even build the franchise from. Um. I love Alice. She's a great final girl. Mm-hmm. I love how resourceful she is. Um, she strikes a good balance between like, she is terrified, but she does put up a fight. Mm-hmm. Um, Realistic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pamela is an amazing villain. <laughs> Wish she had more screen time. Yeah. We should have seen her at least once um, before. Holy shit. When she gets in the camera, she just steals she the show. It, yeah. And she fucking goes for it. And that could be the only performance you ever make, and that would like be career-defining. Yeah, Betsy Palmer's great. Uh, but the fact that she did so much else and then also did this, and it's mm-hmm. like legendary in the horror world, too, I think is super awesome. I uh, love the iconic looks, the like plasticky yellow raincoats. Mm-hmm. That's such a cool look. Yeah. Um, I don't have a lot to say about it. Cause, like, it it's good, it's great, it's a classic, I love it that's even kind of why I put it so high and it actually used to be higher for me and it's kind of been clawed down over the years is I'm like, you know, it's, it's maybe better than some of the ones I put higher than it, but then I love those more. Those, I go back to those all the time. Those are the ones I get real excited about, you know? Okay. Sure. So yeah, that's me. Number four, Friday the 13th, the OG. Okay. Brings oh. us to our top threes. I have one more complaint about this one. The scene always irritates me so much. Okay. It's when I forget her name, but one of the lead counselors, She's putting out um, targets for the archery range, Uh-oh. Okay. and she's putting this haystack that's got, you know, supposed mm-hmm. to have the target wrapped around it, and it's like just, the middle is completely empty. There's no target there. Yeah. It's been used so much, and it irritates me that she's putting it up. It's like, what are you doing? There's not even a target left. What the fuck? <laughs> I just want to get out the prop master. It's like, you couldn't find an intact, you know, target for her to put up? Sorry, that scene always irritates me. Mm, that one's pretty nitpicky, but I'll, I'll, I'll let you have it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, not my number three. Yeah, top three. And this one flip-flops with my current number two choice. Okay. But right now, number three spot belongs to Friday the 13th, part two mm. from 1981. A sequel that surpasses the original. Yes. It's a rare thing. It happens sometimes, and this is one of those happy instances. Yes. Because they take the crazy idea of like, what if that boy didn't drown? Yeah. And I dig it. (laughs) I mean, this this, this is really when the franchise starts, Mm -hmm. let's be honest. Um, This is when it stops being a movie and it becomes... A legend. Yes. (laughs) But we get that long recap at the beginning, and Adrian King just... And apparently this scene wasn't even written. She had to, like, ad-lib a lot of her dialogue and stuff. Which is funny, because it feels so natural. It does feel natural. She's a good actress. Um, You got this long, long scene, and then finally... Oh, God, there's a a head in the fridge. Oh, I'm dead. (laughs) And you get your title sequence, and you get that cool campfire story at the beginning. Which they reuse that, too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I love the way that's told, too. It's like, oh, and some say he's still out there. Yeah, he's still out there. Uh, like you said, it's got a great cast. I like I like these characters. They, they feel real. Uh, a lot of cuties. Um, it's just a steamy cast from start to finish. Yeah. 
I like the fact that they they go out to a bar to drink and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, we never see the counselors do that. Mm-hmm. And that's what they would do. <laughs> you know? Uh, they wouldn't know to sit around the camp the entire time before the kids are there. Uh, Jenny is one of the preeminent final girls. Oh, yeah. You cannot say enough great things about Amy Steele. She's amazing. And she didn't want to take this role at first. She was afraid of it being a horror film. She was going to be typecast and everything. Uh-huh. And I'm like, you know, embrace it. <laughs> um, I like Sackhead Jason. Mm. I think he's Love creepy. Um, I like the fact that he's very much human here, too. Because mm-hmm. you even see him, get, like, when he's got the chainsaw on him and shit. He's scared. He's recoiling yeah. and everything. And, <laughs> and the scene where he's standing on the chair with the pitchfork <laughs> and it breaks. <laughs> You know, the killer right. wrote a fumble. He's not know? just magically perfect. Yeah, right, right. Um, we get to see his shack at one point, mm-hmm. kind of see how he's been living, which is much more interesting than the big murder complex yeah. that Jason from the remake has <laughs> and all his tunnels and stuff. Uh, it's more realistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, just, it's a sequel that outdoes the original. Maybe the effects aren't as good, you know, because you don't have Probably, Tom Spini. Yeah. But they're not like a, a huge drop. No, I wouldn't say so. And it's got one of my favorite kills with the wheelchair and everything. Um, yeah, this is it, it's a more fun movie. The characters are more interesting. Uh, the stakes are raised. It, it, it's just a better overall film and a definite highlight of the series for me. Killer. Well, my number three is also part two. All right. So let me Continue say... Continue to sing its praises. Yes, that uh, I agree with everything you said, and I, I've also already sung its praises. <coughs> oh, wow. This is like the first time you've had a coughing fit on the oh. show, and it's not just me. I'm getting all excited. Oh, yeah. Huh. Funny. But um, you know, I've, I've sung its praises earlier, like the whole idea of even having Mark as a character and that they treat him so normally. I think that's awesome mm-hmm. and pretty forward-thinking for the time yeah. in horror films. Um, I think that... There's been slashers before this. There's been greater slashers before this. Obviously. Halloween. To name one. Bay of Blood. Bay of Blood. <laughs> uh, debatable if that's a slasher or not, but Proto. I think it's a slasher. Uh, um, but I think this is when, for me at least, slashers... Oh, Black Christmas. Sorry. ...really became like, this is a genre that's going to stick around for a long time and be a thing, and... Like, this is when it became iconic to me. Well, 81 is that watershed slasher yeah. year. And that's when it's like, this is a thing. Everybody's going to do them. They're cheap to make. They sell well. People love money. them. Yep. There's a formula. You follow that formula, and you're at least going to get your money back. Yeah, you can't lose. Um, and, and this is that you know leader at the head of the pack, like, taking the charge. Mm-hmm. To me, anyways. I, I think it's just so iconic, so so perfect. I almost don't even have any criticisms of it. And then... Um, uh, let me just try to hit stuff maybe you didn't. So, like, uh, Pamela's head. That's such an intriguing way to wrap up the film. Yes. That he has, like, enshrined her decapitated head. Yes. Yes. And then Jenny using the sweater to impersonate her. Mm-hmm. And um, that set up. She's a psych student and everything, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, it, it's such an earned victory. Mm-hmm. Uh, which it's fun, too, because that's... They translated that into the video game. That was, like, one of the victory paths is that you could... Um, if you worked enough to like injure Jason enough times, his mask would fall off mm. and then you could find the cabin, get the sweater. And if those conditions were cleared, he would be like stunned and you could actually kill him. Kill oh, okay. Him. Um, so yeah, it's that iconic that even bled into the video yeah. game, uh, which I think 
the NES game had that too, right? Wasn't it Pamela's head like a boss that you could fight? She would like float around yeah, and like shoot stuff at you. There was you something and, weird happening. Later. Yeah, yeah. Um, God, it's so iconic. It's so good. At times, it has been my number one, and it kind of just really this top three. They all just kind of drift and rise and fall and trade places every few years. And right, yeah, a legend. It's great. And but, that scene at the end always creeped me out too, when it's throwing Pamela's head. Yeah, because you could tell that it's now a person in makeup. Yeah, and their original idea was for her to open her eyes, mm-hmm. but they decided to cut that because they thought it was too goofy. Yeah, so it has this weird eerie look because you're waiting for the eyes to open because you know this is a person now in makeup, but that doesn't happen. Yeah, it, it becomes, it's like it becomes more real than it was. Yeah, and which it, is it's, interesting. It's unsettling that her eyes don't open because mm-hmm. <laughs> you're waiting for them to. <laughs> All right, what's your number two? Number two. I suspect that I know, but. Number two is Fire 13 Part 6 Jason Lives mm-hmm. from 1986. Such a fun movie. Mm-hmm. Um, this is when it became self aware. Yeah. But it almost had to because it was getting to the point of parody with, without it. Mm-hmm. Um, this is where they like, they, they like stumbled but then recovered where many other franchises. Stumble and fall. Yes, I think. This was the perfect answer to part five. Mm-hmm. People were pissed it wasn't Jason, and they're like, well, we got to bring Jason back, so let's just, let's just go full tilt into the supernatural. Mm-hmm. How does he come back? Oh, lightning bolt. Why not? Perfect. Great. And once you accept that premise, I mean, it, it's just a fun <laughs> ride. Um, this is a great Jason. I like his look, like you said before. Uh... None of the jokes are at his expense. Mm-hmm. All of the jokes are like to the audience because we, we are so aware of the slasher yeah, yeah. tropes at this point. Like the whole line about, you know, I see a guy in a hockey mask. I'm out of here, mm-hmm. you know. Um, or the thing about people watching horror movies. And yeah, some folks got a strange sense of entertainment. <laughs> uh, Tom McLaughlin, great director. Mm-hmm. Did you ever see his One Dark Knight? I think so. We need to watch that sometime if you I- hadn't. If I have, it's been so long, I don't remember it too well. It's very interesting. But he injects a great gothic sensibility into this Mm -hmm. movie. It was definitely a whole love letter to the old Universal horror films. Yes. Uh, You've got the best Tommy Jarvis, Tom Matthews. you got Megan, who I praised before. Mm -hmm. you got a fun cat. Even the asshole sheriff isn't really an asshole. Yeah. You you get where he's coming from. Yeah, he's just trying to protect the town and his daughter and everything. And, And at the end of the day, he does try to fight Jason and, and everything. And even his opposition to Tommy, it's like, you can imagine he ran his info. Mm-hmm. And then it's kind of implied like he was in some sort of psychiatric care. Yeah, he knows who he is. So, right, yeah. Because yeah. um, that was kind of always my timeline is like the events of Five Happens, I assume that Tommy goes back into like some more serious psychiatric care, like maybe like actually like... Or Five was the trick, you know, defeating Jason in yeah. quotation marks kind of cured him. Mm-hmm. Of course, then we see him wearing the mask and everything at the end. So that's true. Um, <laughs> and, and so then like, he got like more help. And then now in six, he's like out, out and kind of the, the start of the film to end his trauma and put it to rest is he has to just see that he's dead in the grave. Right. And then he's like, I'll, I'll be okay after that. Yeah. Which was, if he hadn't done that, Jason would have stayed dead and everything would have been fine. Yes, and then that's, to the gothic sensibility of it, then that's where he becomes like the Victor Frankenstein. He has made the monster, mm-hmm. and he is now compelled to try to stop it. Yeah. And I love the fact that we finally got kids at this fucking camp. Yeah. That, those some of the best <laughs> gags come from the kids. You know, what were you going to be when you grew up? Oh, they're little shits, but they're still lovable. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's great. 
There's one kid reading No Exit. <laughs> um, and I always think it's both puzzling and funny that there is the scene where Jason enters the cabin and it's the little girl and she's asleep. Mm-hmm. And he like pauses there. Yeah. And he chooses not to kill her and He's moves like, on. He doesn't yeah. kill kids. And that gets into that whole psychology of like who he is as a character and a person. Yeah, yeah. He identifies more as a child, which is mm-hmm. why I never like that sexual assault subtext yeah that, that's three. why it feels weird because it's like it doesn't add up he kills people who have sex why would he himself be having sex mm-hmm. you know um it's like part of his legend right if i could level any complaint on this movie it's i wish the gore quotient was a little higher mm. this is where it began the like decline of the yeah the gore and stuff and i think that was a conscious choice especially after five <laughs> yeah five it, fucking goes for it it does um, but I mean, this is just such a fun movie. This is one I can throw in any time and watch it. Cool. All right, man. What's your number two? All right. So I, it's all mapped out now. So my number two is part four, the final chapter. Mm. I think that if you told me to objectively pick what is the best, like t- taking all my personal feelings out of it, mm. I think it's the final chapter. I think it's just the pinnacle of our Friday the 13th film. Spoilers. So do I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, obviously it's your number one. Um, I think it's it's so much fun. It's so well done. It, it builds on everything that came before it and kind of reaches this pinnacle. Um, we've had a lot of this along the way, but it's like the fact that there's an actual family and we get that family dynamic and they really struggle. A very believable families. Very believable. Um, that the teens they're all they're all they are stereotypy, but they still have enough charm to them that you you look past that. I think and it is fun and it is great to see you know Crispin Glover's character and the arc he goes through <laughs> and then he kind of gets to one up his asshole friend. Ooh, let me put it in my computer for you. <laughs> <laughs> You're a dead fuck. Um, a lot of attractive characters. Again, this is probably after number two. This is like the sexiest cast. This guys is the and most girls. audacious yeah. movie for me. Hunky boys, sexy girls. Mm-hmm. It's got it all. Um, love the perfected look of Jason in this one, where he's a little roughed up more yeah. compared to three. Because that's really a problem for me in three a lot of the times. Is he's super clean. Like that shirt, that shirt he wears looks like he just picked it up off a rack in a store and threw it on. Maybe he did. <laughs> I want to see that scene then. No, you're absolutely right though. Um, and so the fact that he's dirtied up more and you know, it's the, the even the hockey mask has the like split chunk in it where the ax hit, mm-hmm. um, such a great look. So iconic. It's one of the ones I often think of when I think of like, what does Jason look like in my mind? Um, wait a minute. Huh? Sorry. Didn't Jason get a fresh set of clothes? In part three, did he at the beginning? I don't know because there's that couple with that store. Oh yeah, yeah. That he kills, and he was out there at their laundry line. Mm. That's why he looks so good. Well, I'm gonna say that scene very obnoxious, and I often forget about it because I don't like it. So, <laughs> that's why I don't remember. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, continue. But yeah, still too clean. I think. Okay. You you put that on, and then you traipse around the woods for forever, <laughs> and it's still like perfect. <laughs> um, but we're not on that. We're, we're praising the final chapter yes, for we are. before we praise it more. When yeah, you begin, yes, we will. Um, I love like this is where you get some of the things that are like this is iconically Jason. Like there's a the part near the end when he's like rampaging on everyone in the house, and he just fucking walks through a door. <laughs> like he doesn't even try to break it down. He just he steps forward and the door just crumples at his presence <laughs> right. and just explodes. Yep, yep, yep. And yeah, that's just like it's fucking Jason at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, epic death, awesome the way he overcomes him. Um, yeah, I have nothing but love and good things to say about this film. So right, 
That's all I can proffer. So now why don't you carry us forward? I will. You're number one. My number one pick is Friday the 13th, the final chapter. Uh, yeah, everything you said is absolutely correct. Oh, I remember the one thing I want to say. The one thing yeah. that's weird, and I give it a pass because I think it's so funny. I think it's... It, at first, it's interesting that they introduce this character that's like... Um, I can't think of his name. He's the one that meets the sister, and he's like, oh, I'm out here hunting. And it's kind of implied that he's like looking for Jason. Yes. And there's this inference that like he's related to someone from a prior film. Uh, and... Yes, he his sister was in part two. Yeah. Um, and so he's kind of out there Sandra. seeking revenge. Sandra. Um, I, that's so cool, and that's such a neat hook. And then it's kind of like tossed aside because he's not that effective. But then his death is just like one of the funniest deaths in the world. But I'm not even saying it's in a bad way. It's just the, oh my God, he's killing me. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, well, about his character, yeah, this is kind of funny because it seems like he's been out there for probably months. Yeah, yeah. But chronologically, his sister was killed two days ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they make it feel like it's been so long. Right, yeah. right. Um, and actually, speaking to his death, I like that. I actually kind of find that chilling. Um, and it was taken, I think the actor himself said that he, he did that because he read an account of someone being attacked. It could have been Ooh. Zito who wrote this. I can't remember who takes credit for it. But he read an account of an attack where someone kept saying, um, stop killing me. Mm. When they were being attacked. Well, I'm going to get real morbid for a minute. That actually made me remember something. You're, you're kind of right on that. Because I remember it was some weird podcast I was listening to. And they were doing like true crime stuff. And they did an episode where they did um, like police phone calls. Where someone called 911 like while they were being attacked. Mm-hmm. And there was one of like, I forget the context of it. But it was like there was an intruder. And she calls 911. And then he's like stabbing her as she's on the phone yes. trying to get 911. Yes. Very fucking chilling. Probably shouldn't listen to that, by the way. No. I will not put it in the show notes. Um, but yeah. So I think there's mm-hmm. probably some truth to that. Yeah. And I always, I found it chilling because he was built up to be this kind of badass. Yeah, like like he was going to be the hero. And or something. immediately he's yeah. killed. You know, and it's also like he's hunting Jason who killed his sister only to fall victim to Jason himself. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it's. It's pretty brutal. This is a fairly brutal movie. That uh, subverts. Yeah. It's got some great kills. Uh, the head crushing in the shower is oh, a favorite. Yeah. Love that one. Uh, where's the corkscrew? That's a great scene. Great kill. It just has the most fun characters. It moves along at a nice, brisk pace. Ted White's a great Jason. I love his rampage, like you said. Mm-hmm. He's just bursting through the door. <laughs> Nothing's stopping him. Um, of all the ones I rewatched, this is the one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have very few complaints about it. It's kind of you don't really know what happens to the mother, yeah. But also that's okay because you're pretty sure she's fucking dead. <laughs> um, I love the brother sister relationship. Always kind of reminded me and my older sister. You know. Aw. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I. I. I, just, I can't heap enough praise on this movie. I think it's. <laughs> Of all the slasher films, it's definitely, I mean, it's like in my top five or three of all slasher films ever, because it's just, it, this is the epitome of 80s slasher, mm-hmm. so you can't do any better than this, in my opinion, when you're talking about Friday the 13th. Cool. So your number one, obviously, then, is... Part six, Jason Lives, and, and again, this fluctuates with four. Like, any given day, I could change my mind, mm-hmm. I think, but I, I guess to, we've said so much about this already that's praise, but... 
to drill in on why I picked it as number one and why I champion it so much these days is I think like, and you kind of touched on it earlier, but it's like the fact that they they were like, okay, at this point, this is where a franchise falls apart. We've killed him. We've had a copycat. No Mm -hmm. one liked that. We got to bring back Jason. How are we going to do it? Let's just make him a zombie. Let's Mm -hmm. keep it simple. And let's just do all the shit we know everyone likes and be a little cheeky about it. Mm Mm-hmm. Bring some style to it. And just make it fun. Just make it fun. This is when horror films were fun. Slashers were fun. You had the big icons. This is when we have our Freddy, our Jason, our Pinhead, Michael Myers, Chucky. Mid-80s, man. The whole whole shebang. And you've got talk shows, and they're bringing them out on talk shows. (laughs) And there's merchandise and and toys, and and kids are embracing them, even though they're R-rated movies. And it's just a weird fucking time. And Jason Lives is right at the center of it. And it's got a big, iconic song attached to it as well. Yep. Great Alice Cooper tracks. Can't forget that. Man Behind the Mask. Um, So much fun. So amazing. Best version of Tommy Jarvis. Love the arc that he goes on. And then the intro, like, so much of it is kind of like goofy fun level. But then, like, the intro is so well done. And the way it's like, it's that universal cemetery. And there's the big, thick roll of fog just sweeping over everything. It's so gothic. It's so gothic. And it just drips so much style. And that's like what I think about Jason Lives is just style. Like style is at 100% mm-hmm. the whole time. They're confident in what they're doing. Even the jokes and stuff like in the wrong hands, those jokes would fall apart. Mm. Especially some of the things like there's the um, the throwaway people that's like the, the office workers that go on the paintball retreat. Yeah. That could be really just like a dead zone, I think, in a lot of slasher films. But they make it work somehow where it's like it's still funny and engaging. And then it gets right to the kills and they're great. And it also explains quickly how he gets his outfit and his machete. Yeah. You know? It's very... Waste no time on that. Very economical. (laughs) It's economical storytelling, yes. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the final showdown, dude, it's so crazy. Because, like, you never think the sheriff's going to be in trouble. And then, dang, he gets it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then just that showdown of, like, the only thing that Tommy can think of is, like, well, I'm just going to have to trap him in the lake. Yep, yep, yep. That that's where this all started. That's where it's going to end. And then he's on a boat in a ring of fire in the worst element because Jason is unparalleled when he's in the water. He's not afraid of water, despite what Ronnie Yu says. <laughs> um, Fuck you, Ronnie Yu. And yeah, man, like it, it's so intense and so over the top, and it's such a great final showdown. And then the fact too that Tommy almost doesn't even make it out because mm-hmm. once even once he gets him down there, like. He's still a menace and he's still a threat. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it's so iconic. It's so much fun. And the great scene with the motor blade going yeah. into his mask and shit. Yeah, it's great. Great little like finisher moment. Uh, and then yeah, like I love Megan. After after uh, Jenny, she's probably my favorite mm-hmm. Friday final girl. Yeah, it's a very tight race. Um, so so compelling, so resourceful. Love all of that. I just love it start to finish. It's a great it's movie. So much fun. Mm-hmm. And the shot of when they zoom into his eye. And oh, the, yeah. The whole James Bond pair. It, it, lets, <laughs> it lets you know immediately what kind of a movie this is going to yeah, be. Yeah, it sets the tone yeah. right out the gate. It's great. And that's like the core, I think, of 80s horror to me is it's like it is scary, but it's also fun at the same time. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Do you think we're going to get another Friday 13th movie that will be worth anything? I think that is where our conversation tonight is going to end. What's, what's the future? So we know this legal dispute is settled. There is a way forward now. I just don't see it. I, I don't. I am not confident that they will be able to make a movie that will <laughs> invoke the feeling of the old ones. Mm-hmm. 
I just think it's going to be more like the new Halloween films. Oh, it, it's so hard, and you have to look at the track record now because Halloween. Uh, some people liked it. That's cool. It's fine if you liked it. Didn't work for us. No. Um, the Exorcist. Uh, that that's just going to be a turd, man. I, I hate to down on something when I haven't seen it, but there's nothing holy encouraging shit. like yeah. about that. No. The, we're recording this on the day that like the early reviews have dropped. They ain't, they ain't too good. <laughs> They're not too good. Even the outlets that normally kind of like give it a little pass, but be like, yeah. it's a horror movie, whatever. But Mm-mm. no, uh, it's it's not being as kindly treated as um, the David Gordon Green Halloween was when it <laughs> dropped. Too kindly treated. Um, and then you know, like the Texas Chainsaw one, that one really worked for me. But overall, it was kind of a failure for a lot of people. Such so, a freak. um. Like, we're not going to get another Jason, Jason Lives, right? Where it just pops out and everyone is pleased. I don't see how that would ever happen. I it's, mean, it could happen. I'm not. I'm never going to rule it out. My prediction, it will be yet another remake. It'll be like the O'Neill version all over again. <laughs> that That's my fear. Um, we know it's been in the news recently right now. There's like a bidding war actively going on of people wanting to get the movie rights. Uh, Blumhouse has come right out the gate and said like, yeah, we want it. We want to do our spin on it. Uh, I think Ryan Turek gave an interview about no, please, you know, it's Friday no, and no, no, I don't want Blumhouse to get this. <laughs> I really don't. You guys did enough with Halloween. Stick to making your own yeah, properties. Don't ruin this. You one. know what? Make me another Purge movie. I'm I'm always okay with a Purge. <laughs> uh, I feel I feel like those have been consistently okay. I don't want to see another origin story either. Everyone yeah. knows about Jason. We know his backstory. Just start. Just start with the movie. So speaking of origins, here's the one thing we have. There is a project in the works. Not confirmed and guaranteed, but it's in the works. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll, I'll just lay you down. I, I copied this just, just to read it verbatim. Uh, on October 31st, 2022, a Friday the 13th prequel series was announced entitled Crystal Lake. It's going to be written and executive produced by Brian Fuller and Victor Miller working together. And then they've got some other people in there who I don't know, so I'm not even going to toss their names out. I do love Brian Fuller. Um, A24 will serve as the studio behind the series, and it's going to air on Peacock. Uh, In January 2023, Adrian King was cast in a reoccurring role that is currently undisclosed. Um, Writing for the series was slated to begin in late January 2023, but of course we know there's the whole writer strike thing going on, so I'm sure that has... I'm sure that's pushed about. Delayed this is everything. However, Kevin Williamson is on board to write at least one episode for the first season. See, I think he's incredibly overrated. Oh, this is is where we're going to have a fight now. It doesn't do anything for me. Get me my own machete so I can duel you, because... (laughs) um, So just in a vacuum, I'll let you go first. What do you think of the prospects for Crystal Lake? It has a good pedigree. Mm-hmm. I mean, H24 backing it, Brian Fuller, mm-hmm. unless he bails like he did on Discovery, <laughs> which still upsets me. Um, but man, what he did with Hannibal was just yeah. amazing. Um, That's maybe the best modern horror TV series. Yeah, absolutely. Um so that that's hopeful, but mm-hmm. I just don't know if a series is the right format mm-hmm. for a Jason project. Is does it even involve Jason? All we know you is know. it's a prequel, so that could be anything. Yeah, that could be anything. So Jason may not even be in it. It may be about his parents. <laughs> mm-hmm. Kind of like a Bates Motel thing. Maybe maybe, maybe we finally get Elias. Maybe, maybe this is the time. Probably. Probably. And he's an occultist. And- I, I am. <laughs> <laughs> I will be optimistic. I'm hopeful for it. Mm-hmm. I hope it's great, but we'll see. We'll okay, see. I, I'm pretty much there with you. I think it's awesome that A24 is in the mix. I feel like... 
they've had films I haven't been as keen on, but I feel like they rarely do wrong, at least by me. Right. I know everyone else is kind of in a different place on it, but it's whatever. Um, Brian Fuller, I fucking love, and I feel mm-hmm. like just when you look at Hannibal and you think like, yes, this could work. There's a way where this could work, especially if he is in the mix and stays in the mix. Yeah. And then I love Kevin Williamson. I think that he's a great writer. I think he's a great storyteller. I feel like that after the loss of Wes Craven, Kevin Williamson is the magic that remained in the Scream franchise. And it was very stark, clear that when he exited, that very next film was like such a drop without his involvement to me. Okay. Um, it really showed at that point, like, okay, this is like, you've lost Wes, you've lost Kevin Williamson because he's, he's out of it now. And mm. yeah. Okay. okay. So I have a lot of respect for his writing and I think it's cool that he's in the mix on it. Um, I don't know that I wanted a prequel. I'm with you on that. Right. My fear is that it will be Bates Motel. Which, which I, actually turned out to be a really good show. I wasn't as keen on it. I thought it was so drawn out to get to the point. It was, but I enjoyed the ride. Um, Verifar Miglia was great yeah, as and, a pick. Um, Freddie Farmer? Freddie Highmore. Who the fuck's Freddie Farmer? <laughs> Freddie Highmore is also very good in that. I thought he was awful. Really? I thought he was a terrible Norman Bates. Oh my god. I thought it missed everything that made Norman Norman. Well, even I mean, it, it was even his own like spin a, on it. He wasn't just doing an Anthony Perkins impression, but yeah. I thought he was very good. And you're insane. And story. I think where it really shows when they get to that last season and they just redo Psycho, the chemistry with him and Marion is like terrible. I thought. <laughs> okay. And well, it's yeah. This is a different I, argument. I, this is a different argument. We'll save it for like our Psycho retrospective. <laughs> but um, was not a fan at all in any way. And and that's my fear is that it will become this long drawn out prequel that's just about like Pamela and then Jason, he's a kid and they keep going, oh, we're building up. We're building up to where right. he's going to drown. We're building and up. And that's when it ends. And then that'll be the very end or it gets canceled. They never get there. And then you're <laughs> just like, well, what was the fucking point of any of this? Yeah. Um, as long as there's not like an antique store involved, I'll probably be all right. <laughs> I would be more okay with that, to be honest. <laughs> Let, let's bring it all back. Let's bring back the antique store. Let's get Dead-Eye Jason. Let's do it all. Blast those into space. <laughs> Why not? Um, and then what's that What's that over there? Oh, the, in Crystal Lake, there's the Thorn Cult. Let's just do everything. <laughs> we could pick up on that planet at the end of Jason X. That oh, Jason... yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure. And then let's make it multiversal. And one universe is that universe with the restored kid Jason. <laughs> He's like fighting the other Jason. <laughs> we should probably stop talking. The, We're giving the, them ideas. The Jason verse of madness. Somewhere there's an exec writing this down. So I think here's where I want to end on about the future of the Friday the 13th franchise. I don't think it'll ever die like Zombie Jason. I think it's perpetual and eternal at this point. Mm-hmm. Even if there's never another film, I think it still will just endure forever. Right. Uh, I I want there to be another film. I'm afraid for there to be another film, but I I still want there to be other films for this. I want it to continue and to have more and grow. Um, and with Crystal Lake, I don't know what it's going to be, but I'm I'm cautiously hopeful. Mm-hmm. I, I think I want to say, like the X Files fan that I am, I want to believe. <laughs> and maybe that's where I want to end off. I don't know if you have any closing thoughts. Not really. Just you know, I I do wonder if it's something of its time. And mm. it should be laid to rest. But that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Jason's always going to come back. If for, no, if for no other reason that there's money to be made. 
Oh yeah. Can never let a good property rest. Yeah. As long as there's a good IP out there, they're going to dig him up and he'll be out killing again. Cool. Well, hey, this was super fun. I love to death. It's my favorite slasher franchise. He's my favorite horror icon. I love Jason Voorhees. I love Friday the 13th. I'm so glad we had this conversation. It's a good time. Um, we talk about it all the time anyways. But, <laughs> uh, it's cool that this is committed now to audio yes. and that we have shared it with people. And please, 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 if you listen to this episode, write us. Leave a comment on this episode or email us or message us. Let us know how wrong we are. Um, tell Let us, us know how stupid I am because apparently I can't count. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, is what it is. <laughs> um, we never profess to be perfect on this show, but... Um, you know, Perfection let, is boring. Let us know the shit that you like. What's your favorite movie? What's your favorite Jason? Favorite kill? Favorite favorite hotties, guy and girl? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, did you play the video game? Did you like the video game? Um, all it's the good Dustin stuff. Dustin Insane for liking Jason Goes to Hell so much. Re-examine Jason Goes to Hell. That's your real takeaway from this episode, I think. Is <laughs> uh, it, It's due for a re-evaluation and a revival. <laughs> God, no, it's not. Um, and then also, hey, studios, if you're listening... I'm just saying, part eight, direct sequel. There's so many ways you can go with it. <laughs> Don't listen to him. He's insane. <laughs> listen, listen, I'll settle for direct-to-video. It, it's, it's cool. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to put all the money behind it. Uh-huh. But just think of where they could go. Yeah. <sighs> I'm exhausted. <Are> you exhausted? <laughs> I, I'm very exhausted. I feel like I have just poured my heart out for the last uh, two hours. It was a good time, though. It was a good time. And we hope that you have a good time this Friday the 13th. I hope that uh, you get a chance to watch one of these films, whether that's going to your favorite of the classics or maybe re-examining Jason Goes to Hell, or <laughs> if you decide to check out maybe some of the fan films, like the Never Hike Alone stuff. Mm-hmm. If you've never seen those, it is really worth a watch, especially if you have any any kind of cachet with this franchise at all. Yeah, check them out. Um yeah, you can hit us up on Facebook. You can hit us up on Twitter. You can hit us up on Instagram. All them socials. All them socials. Email us at genreexposure at gmail.com. We will be back next week with a regular old normal episode continuing our Halloween Odyssey. Uh, we set it up last time, but it will be Idle Hands. Which I, su- I have not seen. I suspect there will be some shenanigans because I have much more love for the 90s, 2000 horror than you do. <laughs> um, we will see what happens. I was uh, I was actually speaking to a friend of mine. I've mentioned him several times on the show. Daniel, shout out to you. Love you, man. Uh, I mentioned to him that we were going to cover Idle Hands, and he was like, oh, yeah, I revisited that lately. It kind of didn't hold up. And I was like, oh, yeah, huh, that's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, we shall see. We shall see. We shall see. I'm very curious. The fact that you've never seen it just, like, mystifies me. Because this is, like, to me, it's a film that's, like, I think every person, if you've watched horror and you lived to that time, you've seen it. Maybe if I were younger, I would have. Maybe but... that's what it is. It's one of those generational yeah. things. Because the 90s were not, for me, were not very good for horror. So there's a lot of shit I tuned out on. Mm. And we'll get into all of that next time. All right, man. But all that being said, you have been listening to Genre Exposure. listening to the prescribed films podcast network home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment 
The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening.